Pittsburgh. So tonight, 8 p.m. on WQED, the fourth in the series of Nebbies. Three more to go. Four Nebbies down, three to go. Uh, So that's tonight. Make sure to check that out. And special preview for the next Nebby. We're really excited about this one. That Kennywood Summer. Yeah. You know what? Can you tell what that is? I think I can. Yeah. What do you think it is? I think that it is getting people's memories of their trips to Kennywood in the, in the summer. No. Or the summer that you did <laughs> Kennywood memories. No. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. No. 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 No, no, no. That's the best no. It is such a nice just smack in the face. No. 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 It is the DVE Morning Show. <laughs> I say no to my kids a lot like that. Like you're smiling when you say it. I do the same. Daddy, sim- can we go to the pool? No. I do Cervelli. No. 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 <laughs> Maybe. No. No sounds like it's not a definite no when Cervelli says it. No. Maybe. Okay. No. Like he's he's questioning it. No. Why wouldn't he? It is the DV morning show. No. Let's take a look at the weather in the Channel 11 Weather Center. What's going on for the weather today is the clip of him saying, <laughs> not everyone gets wet. And then put it underneath, everybody gets everybody hurts from REM. <laughs> Does everyone get wet? No. 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 In Cannonsburg, a man will stand trial. I'm uh, doing the news uh, this morning. Val is on vacation. Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, hanging out with us here on the DVE Morning Show. A Cannonsburg man will stand trial for exposing himself to a 15-year-old. Oh, this is a nice story to start with. <laughs> I feel like it's so compartmentalized when Val does it. Mm-hmm. She does it with such a professional tact. No, I don't have the ability to not comment in the middle of me saying <laughs> right. it. You got through three quarters of you that got, sentence. You got so one like, ah, right. sentence in. That's why I can never do the news. <laughs> Imagine if Ken Rice did that. A Cannonsburg man will stand trial uh, for exposing out. My God, what, this is disgusting. Jeez, oh man, this is dirt ball. How about this guy? And coming up later. Oh my God, I'm not reading that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this was in North Strabane. <laughs> Township Municipal Park last month. Samuel Bruno's charges were held for court after he was accused of exposing himself to the two while walking the park. Bruno was allegedly high on Xanax at the time. I know a lot of people who take Xanax and they have never showed me any. Yeah, that's a bad excuse. Well, but don't they black out? Because I've I've often said Xanax is like the uh, the pill form of a reset button. Yeah, I don't know. I've uh, I've never uh, gotten so tanked on uh, anything that I've done this, so I don't know if no. Xanax's powers. I feel like cause have anything to do with we it. We have Roseanne blaming you know racism on what Ambien people mm-hmm. stripping you know uh, on on Xanax. It's just gonna keep going back and be like, why did you murder that guy? I was like, well, I had a subway foot long, and I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. That's just the after effects. Paul McCartney's carpool karaoke segment on the Late Late Show with James Corden is set to be turned into a prime time special. Mm. This is extrapolated out a little further than I think anyone thought it was going to go. CBS will air the one-hour special Carpool Karaoke when Corden met McCartney live from Liverpool on August 20th. That was an incredible carpool karaoke i have not seen it yet and everyone's like you have to watch it and i did one of those i pushed back because so many people told me i had to watch it yeah i i don't know it's over 20 minutes long i think this is because didn't they do the same thing with jimmy fallon and lip sync battle and they made a whole show a a half hour show of celebrities lip syncing to songs i don't know it seems like okay 
the, the philosophy is if it works for a two-and-a-half-minute segment, then of course we can make it into ten times as long as a show. Well, yeah. how many movies did they make out of an SNL skit yeah, that that's good never point. really worked? Uh, oftentimes, you know, like, yeah. Oh, let's do Night at the Roxbury. Oh, wait, this sketch isn't even really that funny for two minutes? All right. CBS says the original emotional segment has almost 130 million digital views across Facebook and YouTube. That's it's, considerable. It's amazing. He takes him back to, you know, his hometown, to his childhood home. There's like, it's it's way more than the corniness of the carpool karaoke. Corden has done three previous carpool karaoke primetime specials, the first two earning Emmy Awards. Well, that goes to show you what we know. He's already done this <laughs> yeah, a couple times, and it's award winning. All righty. Missed the boat on this one. Dude, he cries in it. Paul like, Carney or jo- James Corden? James Corden. Well, he cries in everything, doesn't he? Isn't he a crier? He's like Jack I Benny. I don't know. Not Jack I don't, Benny. I haven't watched Jack a lot Carr. of his stuff. Did they drop acid during these Sgt. Pepper songs? Yes. And that's why he cries. He has a bad <laughs> trip, and Paul has to coax him back. Fleetwood Max singer Stevie Nicks is set to polish off her acting skills with a return to American horror story Apocalypse. Whoa. Creators of the horror anthology series tweeted yesterday, announcing the return of Nicks... Taisa Farmiga, Gebore Sidibe. Gebore Sidibe. No. no. Lily uh, Rob, is that how you say her name? And Francis Conroy. The forthcoming eighth season will be a crossover between Murder House and Coven, which the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame singer guest starred in in 2004. Is it that old? That shows 2004 or 14. Wait, she's already done this? Apocalypse is scheduled <laughs> she to premiere Emmy September 12th on FX. This is a horrible idea. She previously won an Emmy. We don't know anything. <laughs> a guitar played by George Harrison during the Beatles' final performance at the Cavern Club in Liverpool is being sold at auction. The auction will take place September 12th and 13th. And the um, Maton Master Sound MS500, is it? how do you say that brand name? Maton, M-O-T-O-N? Maton. It's uh, expected to sell for as much as $500,000. It'll 5, never 000. sell for that. It already sold. It, it, they sold it before. <laughs> and they earned an Emmy because they put it on a webcast. <laughs> the guitar which Harrison played at the last Cavern show, August 3rd, 1963, has been exhibited at the Beatles Story Museum in Liverpool from 2014 to 2018. Do you feel like the Beatles catalog at this point is as accurately remembered as it should be like are they uh, is it is it the best and treated as such um i i mean I monetarily people, it is yeah a lot of people f- are super familiar with their songs now uh, i think like 75% of people polled will say yeah the beatles are the best hmm. and right. then there are people who hate the beatles i just i i'm getting the feeling now because i feel like there's so much reverence for them it's almost like a piece of modern art who people liked at the time but then a couple like it just started gaining inertia and inertia and now everybody just accepts that they're the best without questioning it i just feel like we're mm-hmm. kind of getting to that point of people are auctioning off guitars for that much well it's just i mean look there you, there's no arguing their iconic status they were the they were like the first people that, that did it they were the, yeah, the lewis true. and clark of you know the rock band yeah they kind of branched out from what elvis and the early rock and roll bands were doing and and you know george martin gave them that huge sound there are like they were on game of thrones ultra hipsters (laughs) yeah george rr martin but yeah i think that that's gonna go for more than five hundred thousand dollars personally 
And it'll probably be James Corden buying it and crying all over it as he <laughs> as my guitar gently weeps. Exactly. There's some speculation that ACDC is recording a new album in Vancouver. I heard about this the other day. This was this was good news. Sources say Stevie Young, Angus's nephew, who took over rhythm guitar from Malcolm Young in 2014, was recently spotted in downtown Vancouver. Meanwhile, a source says he spotted and spoke with Phil Rudd, longtime ACDC drummer. Wasn't he like on house arrest for a long time because he was threatening to kill the hookers who wanted to leave his <laughs> hooker boat? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, he's allowed to go to Canada now. The speculation on a, just also on a stems... boat, though. He can't get off his boat. <laughs> the, uh, the speculation also stems from the fact that the band has recorded its last three studio albums in Vancouver. Well, this, you know, they might be just doing some touch-ups on some remastered stuff, too. Who knows? So, so what are, are they just kind of, uh, uh, it's like your body cells replace every seven years? Is that what's happening with ACDC? <laughs> yes. Every component's just being replaced by a newer member? different Youngs. A uh, link to Maryland's GOP's Twitter feed from the Republican National Committee's website is gone after directing folks to a porn site for more than six months. Maryland, it just shows you how very, how few people actually click on this stuff. <laughs> Way to it be right on to top s- of that, guys. Maryland Republican Party Executive Director Patrick O'Keefe tells the Capitol that the party changed its handle from at M-D-R-E-P-S in January, but an agreement to have Twitter freeze the old account name was ignored and a porn company began using it soon after. O'Keefe says he forgot to notify the RNC about the change. I can't believe that doesn't happen more. Mm-hmm. Like, just because human error is just part of part of our you know uh being like i don't see how coca-cola's webmaster doesn't let that domain expire and then some like you know you know coca-cola porn site basically comes up right in in top of it oh my god look at these polar bears (laughs) this is gross (laughs) god look what they're doing did this redirect me to everybody doesn't get wet.com. <laughs> this doesn't feel Christmassy. <laughs> Authorities are announcing a takedown of a large scale counterfeit sneakers operation in New York City. Uh oh, Bill, you're not going to be able to get your black market kicks anymore. Oh, God. NYPD and investigators with the Department of Homeland Security have arrested five people as a result. Police say the scheme involves sending 42 containers of fake Nike Air Jordans from factories in China. It's a racket to Port Newark for distribution around the tri-state after being stored at the warehouses in Brooklyn and Queens. The knockoffs were sold for about $190 per pair. You know, the Jordans are, are such a niche like market, and if you're into it, you're so heavy into it. It's just insane how many different kinds of Jordans they are and they're mm. always doing reissues oh here's this the Jordan 4s with a new <laughs> color s- scheme and here, here you know here's a, the the colorway for the Jordan 7s has just been released our buddy T-Robe literally always clowns me because I walked into the improv one time he goes man you always have the same shoes on <laughs> it's just like you always have the shirt that matches or uh, the shoes that match your hat somehow. I mean, There's he a two always different has dichotomies. Jordans on, doesn't he? Yeah, he's like totally coordinated. I'd like to get. I, I mean, you gave Every me a link to T. Robe has is a is a Kennywood outfit. I want to start rocking <laughs> the old uh, the original Jordans and like oh, I those can't. Are awesome. The ones online are like. Two fifty or something like that. Oh, yeah, they're expensive. You showed me the link to it, and yeah. I was going to get it, and then I didn't pull the trigger on it. And I, I kind of forgot about it. There is something weird about some of them. They're pre-owned. It's not like some of them. Yeah, some of them are are 
pre-worn. That's what I mean, pre-worn. So some of them, like some, like some people will buy them, never wear them, and then resell them. That's the one I want. I want the one someone else's foot hasn't been in for a long, you know, long period of time. Yeah, that's probably going to cost you. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like too much. On what occasion would you wear Air Jordans? I'm just curious. I would wear them like casually. Really? I'm talking about like the, you know, the ones that that they they have like a very flat look. Like they, yeah, look they're like not. A pair of Nike oh, I thought dunks. they were like moon boots that you were no. going to go like down no. to the, down to the park and start dunking on people or something. No, most of them are way too chunky to wear with anything else right like, you know what i'm saying like they're just too big they're they're heavy ass shoe no the first one though was kind of sleek yes it, it looked more like it like doesn't a, look like a basketball shoe no it's like an offshoot of the original nike high top right yeah that's the that's kind of what i wanted to do but you know going on ebay has never treated me well Got a lot of one-star reviews in yeah. your track record. <laughs> I ordered bar stools one time, and I didn't realize they were from Canada. And it ended, I was like, seventy-five bucks a piece. These things are great. And then they were seven hundred dollars for shipping. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> they arrived on <laughs> Mountie. Two years later, these sons of bees reeked <laughs> maple syrup. <laughs> oh, such a dumb move on my part. I felt so stupid. I'm like, how could I not have figured that out? Hey, I one time ordered a lawnmower that was just completely incorrect on Amazon, and I just had to rate them back. I was like, hi, you did nothing wrong here. I made all of the mistakes in this relationship. <laughs> I felt like I was breaking up with a girlfriend or something like that. I was like, I did everything wrong. Oh, when I return something and they uh, ask for a reason why, I always just say, other. <laughs> then they have to file it and then yeah, probably yeah. give you your money back. Exactly. You wanted these ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those ones aren't yeah. so bad. Yeah, those I mean, are awesome. Um, yeah, those are iconic. Right, the original. Most is. people that see those don't know those are Jordans. Yeah, I love those. Yeah. The people think of Jordans now the way they are, yes. which is they're like insane, like you said, a moon boot. Yeah. A lot of fabric. A lot of fabric. Although the, those are like the dad shoes are back. You know, Kanye's newest shoe, they're not Yeezys. They're something, they're like wave humpers or something. <laughs> I don't know what they are. Like the Steph Curry ones? Yeah. They're, and they're like straight up dad shoes, chunky as all hell, just all white. Yeah, Dude, I didn't <clears throat> when I was in high school. Like I, you know, it wasn't like I had like a closet full of cool clothes or anything like that, or even clean clothes a lot of times. And, but my dad had a brand new pair of Reeboks one time, and I was like, I'm wearing those out tonight because they're they're white, you know. They're oh, nice. No. Oh, oh no, you I, got killed. Oh, I got killed. <laughs> Anybody that was there still messes with you about that. My buddy uh, Cardo oh, was God. like, he did the you know the nineteen eighty nine version of what are those to me? You know, like <laughs> what, dude? What are you doing? And I was like, my dad got sneakers, man. I don't have any like clean. Sh- I had to wear these, and he's like, never again, man. Never again. <laughs> we, I was like, it was this or pony high top turf shoes. We had a kid who th- from sixth grade to twelfth grade in our high school was called white shoes because one day he wore white shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he he couldn't fathom why everyone for six years kept calling him White Shoes. Oh, hey, White Shoes. It was far enough along in my high school tenure that I wasn't worried about being branded. You know, you for, had already like, established an identity. Yeah, no one was no one was shifting on you at that they, point. It it could have happened, but it was unlikely. You know, I I would have <laughs> had to only fight off about uh, you know eighteen months of it. That was the terrifying thing about just fashion back then is that you didn't know what was going to trigger a, a revolution oh, in no. your identity. 
You had to play it so safe. There was so much anxiety in a purchase where you were like, oh, God, am I going to get crushed for this? Oh, I just, I would just see what my, like, the kids in my high school wore that were, like, you know, wealthy and, like, got the girls. And <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I, I have to follow that lead. And so they'd be right, like, I'll get a pair of Sebagos. All right, I'm going, I'll, I'll get a Claiborne shirt or a Claiborne shirt from Kaufman's if that's what it's going to take. <laughs> See, I was not locked into any personality in high school. I was, I was doing a lot of uh, sample testing. So I would show up like every week, like I was a different like Ninja Turtle. I'd be like, this is Kawabunga Jeff. Oh, he's a surfer now. And, oh, here's beach volleyball Jeff. Here's skateboarder Jeff. Anybody buying any of this stuff right now? <laughs> And the answer was no. No one was buying it. No. Oh, man. I'm telling you. But when you got those new clothes. This is Rebel Jeff. Felt pretty good for a little while. Like, this is going to change everything. And it never did. I, one time, speaking of Smashing Pumpkins, I bought a, remember how Billy Corgan, the lead singer, used to wear that Zero shirt with, yeah. the, with the star on it? Mm-hmm. I bought that at, you know, uh, at Kaufman's or whatever. And I Boss wore it to Cops. school one day because I was like, I'm going to show everybody you know, that I can't, I'm just not a cog in this machine, man. And so I'm walking down the, the hallway with the, with the word zero on my shirt. And this, this, uh, 12th grader looks at me, he goes, is that how many pushups you can do? <laughs> I was like, all right, that's going in the bottom of the hamper. Never going to wear this ever again. I mean, how many of those kind of outfits never made it to school? Like I had oh. stuff at home where I, <laughs> it just never made it past the mirror. I, I clowned myself out of my clothes. I oh, one yeah. time bought a, a a fully camouflaged Velcro shirt, and I wore it one time, and I was like, <laughs> I can never. And I think I was just grocery shopping. I was as a safe place to kind of take it for a test run, and then I was like, I can never wear this out ever. Because you just think every like people are gonna pull off the <laughs> road, like, ah, what are you doing? What is that? <laughs> well, dude, I still do it. I mean, it still happens. I still will get a shirt home and go, what the hell? There's no way I'm wearing this. <laughs> I think what was it, I thinking? Do you ever open your closet and feel bad for clothes that you haven't used oh, yeah. to their full potential? You're like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. You would have been much better in somebody else's closet. My I, buddy, I'm so sorry about this. My buddy has an ugly shirt party every year where you have oh, to wear would... the ugliest shirt in your closet that never gets out. That's a good idea. Except- it is, but a lot of my shirts, it's like they're not ugly they just don't get any love. I had to do some gigs. Wait, it was like 2002 with a, like this alt country band, uh, and I had a bunch of them coming up. And I was out in San Francisco with my girlfriend, and we we're shopping. And this one store had like is, all these like Western this, shirts. The silk shirt? No. Yeah, it was. It was like, <laughs> it was like it wasn't silk. I don't know what material it was, but it was the worst design, and it was like way I don't know who would have pulled this shirt off but I was in like a much too hip part of San Francisco and there's no way I could have pulled this off but for some reason my girlfriend's like it looks awesome you have to get it I'm like you're right this will look yeah this will look good on stage that's cool and it meanwhile it would not have it was the ugliest shirt and I got it home and there was just something about getting it in Pittsburgh the second that (laughs) shirt shifted changed zip codes it was completely unacceptable and I was like what was I thinking? Your shirt was like, I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> this this is how you know a girl's a keeper, though. If she can fully identify what's going to work on you. Yeah. Like, as a balding man, I'm starting to, to look at hats. You know, I'm looking at different types of hats. <laughs> and I was at a, a shoe store, and I put on a fedora, and my wife was just like, get that off your goddamn head right now. You look like a like a 1920s mystery 
novel or something like <laughs> I had a oh, shirt dude. that was way worse than the shirt you're describing and I, I wore it a bunch <laughs> and I ha- and I have a picture of it it was a short sleeve silk button up shirt uh. okay and and it wasn't like it didn't fit me at all it, I got it from like you know one of those places downtown where it was like mo gear or something. This has to be circa like 2001, 2003. Oh, yeah. this is like, right when yeah. Smash Mouth was at their this peak is power. 99, 2000. And this shirt had a bunch of jazz musicians all over it. <laughs> oh, no. Like and silhouetted? The, yes. Oh, and, and, I know the look. That's uh, a bad and, one. And the, and the collar was one of those collars that didn't just stand on its own. It kept going, and like Spread. half of the shirt was folded <laughs> over like a collar. It was the Dude, one. Uh, and then I would only wear a wife beater underneath it. Oh my god! And thought it was like the coolest thing ever. Here comes Jazzy Bill. <laughs> yeah. He then went to a Cherry Pop and Daddy's concert. <laughs> All right, we got Mike Pursuit live from Steelers Training Camp with your sports next on DV. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit has got your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Live from Steelers Training Camp, St. Vincent College in Latro. Mike, what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. I'm, I'm, I have this vision in my head of Mr. Wednesday in a fedora. Yeah, it's a tough uh, one to uh, purge. He's just trying that outfit on for a little Mike, bit. Mike, take a breath, mint to cleanse that thought. That's the only thing that's going to get that out of your head. I don't know, man. Somehow I think it's you. It's not me. No? I'll, I'll get it. My wife will divorce me. <laughs> okay, well, I'll have to sleep at your house or well, be in your dorm you room not, in Latrobe. Uh, you better try plan B for the headgear. <laughs> yeah. How about uh, let's start uh, this hour. Sports this hour brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. Let's start this hour in Colorado where Jamison Tyone through a complete game, uh, 10 hitter at uh, the Colorado Rockies. The Pirates beat the Rockies 10 to 2. Tyone only threw 107 pitches despite giving up 10 hits. Uh, two runs, both of them earned. He walked one and struck out three. And the numbers are really starting to add up for Jamison Tyone beyond his 9 and 8 record and his 3.63 ERA. Uh, last night was his 13th consecutive start in which he allowed three earned runs or fewer. Wow. He is the first National League pitcher to throw two complete games this season, and he ties uh, Jose Barrios of Minnesota, Carlos Carrasco of Cleveland, Corey Kluber of Cleveland, and James Paxton of Seattle for the major league lead with two complete games. It's crazy. Uh, He gave up 10 hits and still only threw 106 pitches in a complete game? Uh, Yeah. That's Uh, nuts. Very efficient. Very efficient. You know, one walk, three strikeouts, right? Don't yeah. throw so many strikeouts. Throw throw ground balls. Yeah, more democratic. Mike, isn't this is what you've been talking about all year? I mean, this is what we've expected from him. The horse, right? Yep. The guy. Uh, if you get to the National League uh, wild card game, the guy. Uh, and the Pirates pitching in general since July eighth, the Bucks have the best record in the National League at eighteen and eight. They're they have a three point oh nine ERA in that span. Only the Athletics at two point nine three. And the Red Sox at 3.00 have a better team ERA in the major leagues. You look at the last three games, Pirates are only one and two, but they gave up two runs to St. Louis, two runs to Colorado, and two runs to Colorado. If they can keep pounding that pitching the rest of the way, I like their chances. I really do. Not uh, not the easiest place to uh, throw a complete game. Last visitor to throw a complete game at Coors Field, Randall? Clayton Kershaw in 2013. Wow. When he was money. 
There have been 52 in that stadium's history. I think, did they get there the second Damn. year they had a team? Coors Field. I know they played at Mile High Stadium at least one year. Um, Not sure. You know, it's, been, it's been around 20-plus years, uh, maybe approaching 25 years. And to your point, very difficult to throw complete games there. But, oh, yeah, that's uh, a hitter's park for sure. Pirates get it done. Uh, they are eight and a half behind the Cubs in a division, five out in the wild card chase, and uh, they've got uh, the series finale at Coors Field this afternoon, 3.10 p.m. Chris Archer, 3-5 and five with a 4.40 ERA against uh, Herman Marquez, 9-8, 4.70. Then it's on to San Francisco for four this weekend. The Steelers uh, have a little uh, details to attend to out here in Latrobe. This morning, uh, walk through, and then it's uh, off to Philadelphia for the preseason opener. That's right, preseason football is upon us. And uh, as you might expect, Mike Tomlin uh, has a specific checklist in mind for what he wants to see from his team on Thursday night against the defending Super Bowl champion Eagles. What we want to see are the things that we really emphasized in competitive situations here in Latrobe. Uh, fundamental things. We want to see good pad level. We want to see good hand usage. Uh, we want to see good tackling. We want to get, see good ball security on the offensive side. We want to see good ball awareness um, on the defensive side. Um, we want to see a guys display an understanding of, of the rule changes, particularly in special teams and the point of emphasis. Uh, we spent quite a bit of time uh, working in those areas. Um, if we kind of show solid effort in those areas, I think it will be a pleasing performance. Yeah, in other words, he's looking for specifics, uh, not necessarily the score. And uh, he talked about all the time they spent on special teams. Uh, we talked a lot about that yesterday. Let's talk about it just a little bit more right now as it relates to the kickoff. More than anything, I want us to display fundamentals. Um, obviously, on a kickoff return team, I want us to gain possession of the ball. <laughs> you know, um, the three guys patrolling the vast amount of grass back there is new and different and, and different than in the past. And I think not to acknowledge gaining possession of the ball first above all other things uh, would be inappropriate. Um, I'm looking at, looking at how guys display an ability to play fast while they get accustomed to the new rules, you know. Oftentimes in the preseason in particular, those veteran players play at a different speed than young guys. I would imagine that there will be some adjustments for all guys, whether they're rookies or veterans in that area of play. And I just quite frankly want to see who, uh, who adjusts, uh, you know, the quickest or the smoothest um, in terms of playing speed. Guys, uh, I was kicking this around with Bob Labriola last night from Dino's on uh, live from Latrobe here on DVE, and we were actually in agreement. I think this kickoff thing is going to be fascinating. I, I think the potential for returns has increased, and I think the potential for the kicking team to get the ball has really increased. Yeah, if you have the the right kind of kicker who can do a trick shot, you know, get the lob wedge out and put it in the right spot. Yep. Um, way beyond the, the traditional onside kick, which was, what was that, about a 10% success rate maybe? Um, if that. I, I think the kickoff is, is going to be kind of a game changer. And I think it is going to be safer because you're not going to have the high-speed collisions. You've got the vast majority of players all in close proximity yeah, yep. and, and, and not getting running starts. I think the NFL actually got something right here. I think, I think they've made this play safer, and I think they've brought a whole lot more uh, unpredictability and excitement to it. Counterpoint. Now the other person is going to get hurt because the runner is going to have a 45-yard sprint. 
<laughs> yeah, but it's going to be Tyreek Hill. I mean, you know, what, yeah. who's he going to hurt? Yeah, and himself by running into somebody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he concussed himself. He's out. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they got it right. It seems like it's a bit of an overcorrection, but uh, we will uh, we will I'm see. I'm anxious to see it now. I'm real curious to see how it plays out all preseason. And that's, you know, at least, hey, you guys know me. I'm not a big fan of preseason games. I think two at the most would be sufficient. And I think it's more of a, a controlled practice than anything else. But uh, I'm, I'm going to have my eyes uh, on the kickoffs and my binoculars out and uh, be taking copious notes for what that's worth. Yeah, you know, I mean, Rocky Blyer said when he was here they had six preseason games when he was yeah. playing. Oh. Seven if they won the Super Bowl because they used to have a thing called the College All-Star Game. What the hell? Dear they, Lord. They would play a team. Of, the Super Bowl champion would play a team of college all-stars. That was the first preseason. Are you game. kidding me? What? Why did that go away? That sounds awesome. <laughs> it should be the worst team in the league, though. It should be like the Browns. Right. It, the Browns should play Alabama every year. I, I really, in, in that way, we can just we can just measure how good the Browns are. And then they should do it the way European soccer does. If Alabama wins, yeah. Alabama's in our division and the Browns are in the SEC. <laughs> Dude, the Browns in the SEC? Mm. I don't know. Going into Auburn's tough, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's tough. Uh, here's one more from Mike Tomlin uh, to get you ready for Thursday night, uh, talking about the difference between practice and uh, preseason game performance as it relates to evaluating players. We realize the, the gravity of this opportunity in stadium. Uh, you only get four of these opportunities to, to state a case for yourself. We recognize that what they do in stadiums is weighted a little bit differently than what happens uh, out here. That's just the nature of this evaluation process, and this preseason is about moving from 90 to 53. Yeah, I think if you're one of those guys who's not assured of a spot, you know, Mason Rudolph can go out there and stink for four games. He's not going to get cut. Uh, that's that's just the way it is. Uh, you can play great in the games and practice poorly and still make the team. I can't think of too many guys who uh, who just stink in the games and, and make the team all based on their practice. Right. You, you got to look like you, you have some put clue it on out tape, there. Like, right. you, like it's game. not too big for you. Like you understand what's going on and you're able to deal with it. And, you know, you can think on your feet and react and all that stuff. So, we shall see. We shall indeed. Mike, I can't wait, man. I'm actually pumped for this. Live from Steelers training camp. Yeah, tomorrow is the uh, first game. You'll be able to hear it all here on DVE. Yep. You know what that means. First game means first pregame. Yeah, buddy. We're cranking that up right after you get off the air at 10 o'clock today, Randy. <laughs> Perfect. Two Beautiful. days of pregame for the first preseason game. <laughs> all right, Mike, we'll check in with you next hour. Thanks. See you, guys. A problem on uh, Mount Everest. You know, before it was dead bodies. Now, there's a fecal time bomb <laughs> on Mount Everest. Uh, we'll explain next, DV. It's the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman along with Bill Crawford and uh, Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle, hanging out with us here this morning. You know, Mount Everest, every year 1,200 people attempt to climb to the peak of Mount Everest. Bill, I know this is something you're fascinated with. I, I am. I've, I've, you know, if, if anybody out there has any interest in climbing or mountains <laughs> at all, you know, read into thin air and don't do it. <laughs> right. Um, but, but it is fascinating, especially Everest. It's just such a uh, historical and, and iconic peak. Yeah. You know, a lot of people die doing it, which yeah. is why I'm fascinated with it. Like, why would you do something where you could potentially lose your nose or die. There's an area of the climb known as the death zone. Oh, yeah. 
Which that's, I think they had that in Kennywood those, too, right? I, Isn't, yes. Well, no, they got rid of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people got stuck at the, at the top death. of it. Yeah. Yeah. See, I feel like if for I just don't have the mindset for that type of arduous trek, and I feel like I'd be the first one to suggest cannibalism. <laughs> I'd be at the top, be like, eh, we, we want to eat Steve? No, no, yeah. Jeff, we don't want to eat no, Steve. No, we yet. just we haven't snacked yeah. today. Well, we've we been here got, an hour. We still have some power <laughs> I bars. I have granola. <laughs> well, death zone is in a, is a, once you reach a certain altitude, because at that point. You absolutely have to have the oxygen on, mm-hmm. and and your the amount of oxygen you have is sort of determines if you're going to be able to peak or not. And they can't rescue you because the air is too thin. Helicopters can't get up there. So, in the roughly two months it takes to climb Mount Everest, the average climber will have crapped sixty pounds. Ugh. What do you do with all the poop on Mount Everest? This is a real problem they have on on Mount Everest. You make it into a snowball. <laughs> yeah. This Throw season, it into a crevasse. This was in the Washington Post yesterday. Uh, porters who work on Mount Everest this year alone carried down 14 tons of human waste from base camp and other locations. And they Wait, dro- Fowl's family works on the They mountain? drop it into earthen pits on the Gorak Shep, a frozen lake bed near the village, 17,000 feet above sea level. How about that? The, the village is 17,000 feet above sea level. Like the top of Telluride, that's where, they're, that's where they're hanging out. That's why they're able to be Sherpas, because they live at that altitude, which yeah. is insane. It's like the top of A-Basin or something like that. Um, one guy, Grayson Schiff, an editor for Outside Magazine, wrote in 2012 about the fecal matter problem on Mount Everest. The peak has become a fecal time bomb. <laughs> And the mess is gradually sliding back toward base camp. Ugh. What well, is that huge brown ball coming down the hill at us? <laughs> a, uh, you got to really want to do this. You're you're walking past uh, a couple hundred dead bodies that sure. are just frozen like statues there. Yes. Preserved because they can't be moved because, you know, it's up too high for them to be rescued and nobody can carry... A full human down the side of the mountain. Yeah. And it's not like you're like, well, let's just throw it down and we'll get it at the bottom. That's not how it works. No, you can't do that. Though, there's so you much. You could ride sh- it like a sled, couldn't That's you? What I was thinking, just slap some skis on that corpse and ride them down like See, weekend at Bernie's. They, they, they come out with a story like this about once a year. There is so much trash. You just said earlier in the, in the study that, or in the article, 1,200 people a year peak Mount Everest. Yeah. The amount of waste that is expelled just in trekking up the mountain. I mean, just from the... the uh, I, I read something about the um, the oxygen tanks. They're all over the mountain. Because they just dump them? Yeah. Yeah. Once so, they're done with them, they're just trying to shed gear because, you know, those Sherpas are climbing the mountain like seven times. You know, you get up there and go... Like I made right. it to the They're top. Like, Meanwhile, okay, the Sherpa's like, good. "Dude, I've ca- I carried all your stuff. Yeah. I like tri- hiked ahead of you, set up your entire camp, came back, helped you up to that camp. Like that's what they do. I know. That's why I always thought Tenzig Norgay got totally screwed when was it Sir Admiral? Edmund Hillary? Yeah, he got all the all the accolades. And it's like that guy was like pulling him up yeah. to the top. No statues that of Tanzig Norgay. Step. There's the Hillary step. So here's the there's problem. No Tanzig Norgay step. There's this huge 
Pile of dookie. Problem there. So <laughs> one guy, Gary Porter, another Porter, he's a retired engineer, so he's made it his life's mission now to fix the problem, and he wants to uh, develop this thing, a biogas digester. Biogas, not biogas. It's all I one like word. Biogas better. It's all one word. Yeah, it looked like biogas. I had to. I had to go it again. Biogas digester. All right. This would turn mountaineer poop into something more useful. It would produce fertilizer, methane, renewable biogas that can be used to cook food in light homes. So basically, like the Sherpa village would be powered by the poop of the climbers. Powered by poo. Now, as I was reading this, I'm thinking, okay. All right, this all seems like, oh, yeah, maybe a good idea. A little uh, unconventional sounding, but resourceful. Why not? The next sentence, Whole Foods uses a similar system to reduce oh. food waste. I'm like, wait a minute. They're putting it in water. Uh, the, the digester. <laughs> is this poo water healthy? Yeah, it is. It's there's organic. Good, there's really good bacteria in there. Why is it more expensive than the asparagus water? <laughs> Now, this guy says he wants to build this device. It won't be much different from devices sold on the Internet, a large tank that can hold water, human waste, and anaerobic bacteria that will produce fertilizer and methane gas to power cooking stoves and fires. So, ostensibly, you would be on the mountain, and you could immediately turn your poo into fuel to cook your next meal. I just feel like that's a hard door-to-door sales pitch to make yeah, to a is. community. It's a tough what sell. if I told you I could get you free cooking? Oh, wow, that sounds great. What if I told you I could reduce your energy bills? Oh, sign like me up. like to hear more. What if I told you it was all made from de- de- decrepit piles of human crap? Well, wow. now, yeah, a door just shut. Get a door slammed in your face. Well, you know, one you thing hear is. numbers. If we could figure Hello, out one. If we could figure out a way to convert this into actual energy. Look, it's limitless. The the possibilities here. I mean, you know, you could have a village that was just powered on PF Chang. <laughs> <laughs> Those lettuce wraps will get you going yeah, yeah. You every well, time. Didn't you remember that it was it was uh, Micros or Bill Gates and Microsoft patented some technology that that basically gets a uh, clean, uh, drinkable liquid from. Uh, sewage poop or something yeah. like that which i said i always thought that in that violated a, a patent up from uh coors light but you know that's <laughs> uh, so. didn't uh wait didn't um didn't wasn't there something in puerto rico like some didn't somebody show something to trump where they were like able to put this thing in the water that turned this nasty like sewage water into clean drinking water and he was like is it your company? You're making this up. You don't really drink that, do you? Yes. <laughs> oh, you do? All right. Oh, I don't want to sip. God, no. That's awesome, though. Has to be your company, though, I right? do feel like you'd have to have a lot of faith in scientists if you did end yes. up going that route. No doubt like about it. Like the first one, if, you, if you're going to be the one touting it, you're the one that has to take the first sip out of the bucket. It sounds like something you'd see at, like, the Butler County Fair. Step right up. <laughs> Watch One-Eyed Willie take a sip of sewage water. Go ahead. Do whatever you want to in the trough. I'm drinking when you're done. <laughs> I sure am parched. Yes, yeah, just some like minor old 49er guy. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I can't taste nothing after the mind blast. I played with Montana. Uh, so, look, that might Wait, solve... that's a different 49er. I'm sorry. They might end up using all these mountaineers poop to power villages to 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 power their hikes 
to give them energy along the way, renewable energy the whole way up the mountain. I don't understand why fecal matter is considered like such. Like I thought it was natural fertilizer. I guess when it freezes, it turns into something else. Well, that's the have- problem they have with using it on the mountain. His big challenge is, and we didn't go into this, is figuring out how to do it in those cold temperatures. Yeah, because the the uh, everything the bacteria needs in, to. Yeah. yeah, bacteria does not want to move around at that temperature. No, nothing does. Yes, except these people, which is why I'm fascinated with it. A buddy of mine. It's fifty thousand dollars, by the way. A buddy of mine did the climb at. Um, on another mountain, is it maybe Mount McKinley in, in Alaska? Yeah, yeah. Which is not nearly as high as, as Everest. It's the highest peak in America, though, I'm pretty sure. It's a sure. big one. And it requires a little training and stuff. So he had a fundraiser because he was traveling out there. This is when we all lived in Erie, you know, when I was like 22 mm-hmm. or something. So we had a big party and a send-off for him. We all gave him money. We're like, good luck. And he got out there, and he did not make it. And he was back home in like a week or so. And we were all kind of uh. like, do we get a prorated get a- discount here? <laughs> Did we get a refund on this? That's the exchange rate here. He's like, yeah, I didn't make it. And we're like, what do you mean? Yeah, it's just really hard. Turn around. We're like, yeah, but then, so then what? You just, yeah, I turned around. I just went back down the mountain. All done. Do you the, feel bad about No, it was really hard. It was really hard. This actually happens a lot in the Pittsburgh comedy scene with people trying to leave Pittsburgh to go to big markets. <laughs> they'll throw like you know, they'll start Patreon accounts and GoFundMe's and then all of a sudden it kind of peters out a little bit. And oh, yeah. uh and they're they're back. Hey guys, I'm back. Well, we're not having a welcome home party for you. We just had your farewell party. Tim Benz will be on the show a little bit later on this morning talking about uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buccos. Uh, Buccos with a nice uh, W last night in Colorado. Jameson Tyone going the distance. Uh, also, Rob Lee, CEO and founder of the Pittsburgh Knights. They're an esports team here in town that are competing internationally. They're, this is the new thing now. You know, you, you're, you're, your kids are watching other People play video games on Twitch and all that yeah. stuff. Well, now there's like competitions being televised, and they're saying this is the new wave of sports, esports coming in. So we'll talk to the Pittsburgh Knights CEO, Rob Lee, coming up at 845. I guess we can just sum up the weather today by simply stating Not everyone gets wet. Not yeah. everyone gets wet. Not everyone gets wet. No. 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 So. Not everyone get, gets wet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hadn't occurred to Stan. A lot of people don't know that. News This Hour is brought to you by Nobody. I'm not Val Porter. Kourtney Kardashian is back on the market after announcing her split from... Scott. Who's who's this guy? Oh, God. I know him. I know who it is. Benjima? Benjima? What? How do you say his name? Benjima? The girl Here, from Benjima Look how excited Joe is about this story. The, you know, I notice when I have to do the news, there's like Kardashian stories oh, in yeah. here. He Joe knows I don't know anything the about the Kardashians. He is you. all over this. Oh my God, he loves it. Yeah. He's on their mailing list. Joe Rowe loves the Kardashians. No question uh, about it. Him and Rob are friends. Which one is Courtney? She's not uh, Sasquatch. She's No, she's the, the oldest one, I think. Is she... She had. She was married to the the dude. The well, she wasn't married, but she had kids with that that douchey dude Scott. I thought Scott was their brother. No, Scott Disick. Yeah. Okay, I knew that. Not name. their brother. Not their brother. Rob is the brother. Okay, and he makes socks. Yeah, they're they're all going to be billionaires, and and Rob came out with his own line of socks. <laughs> <laughs> and so nobody talks about Rob anymore. Wow, that's probably Rob's not in any of the episodes. Rob gained seven hundred pounds and just. Eats in the dark now. Courtney and Eunice decided to split. They had to take time apart recently. Release. Eunice? 
Who's Eunice? I haven't been keeping up. This is who Courtney divorced. Divor- I'll find out from Joe after the uh, segment. End of story. Plain White Tees. Remember that band? <laughs> Wait, you just bailed on that story? Yeah, I'm done. What What? what was the story? I think we heard the relevant just, part. They're breaking just, up. Do I care what happens after she's that? She's back on the market. This is why we need Val. She would not... Yeah. This This story would not have made... No. She would have filtered her filter. that out. No way. No. Yeah. The Plain White Tees. Remember that song? Hey There, Delilah? I do remember that song. Well, Hey There, Delilah... Hey there, Delilah. Is set to be adapted into a TV series. It's really going to be a short series. The band will be involved in (laughs) developing a scripted romantic series based on the number one single's lyrics centered on a long-distance relationship. The song spent 35 weeks on the national singles chart. 35 weeks. It's a long time. Wow. Several of those weeks at number one, producers of the forthcoming dramedy series include the brand the band's frontman and songwriter Tom Higginson who will be part of the team pitching the potential series. Folks, in August nothing happens, you see. Nothing. So it's a really good time if you were ever on the fringe of celebrity to try and kick up some dust around that old fame. Yes. Because news outlets will do anything, anything to create content. You. So if you give them a little piece of nostalgia, anything, they're going to blow it up into a big story. I saw this every time I turned on my computer yesterday. It's incredible. And nobody cares. Because uh, I don't think it's going to be good. What other songs do you think could become TV shows? Uh, Copper Road? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, actually, Copper yeah. Road could be one. Copper Road, though, it just sounds like it would be like Steve Earl doing like uh, kind of one of those Michael uh, Linden-like uh uh, the Heaven Help Us shows. What was that called? The one where he was the angel? Oh, uh, not Heaven Can Wait. Landon, not Landon. Um, he- yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Highway to Heaven. Highway to Heaven. Highway to Heaven. That's what it was called. Oh, why not Highway to Hell? Well, that would be different. Yeah. You would need to get Brian Johnson from ACDC, <laughs> even though that was a Bon Scott song. Um, and he can't hear anything anymore. It occurred so to me, he's uh, it, originally I was like, oh, John Mellencamp's Jack and Diane would be a good... Yeah. Yeah. But I, Here's that, a story. But it already was a TV show, oh. Married with Children. Yes. That already happened. You know, Jackie thinks he's going to be a football star and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah life goes Cole on. Kai. Long after the thrill of living is gone. He's got his hands down his pants. He's a beaten man. That's Whoa. Oh, well, I mean, in that order? No. Okay. No. Thank I'm, God. Yeah, no. Yeah, uh, this is a, it's a family That show. was more figurative, not literal. Yeah. <laughs> he's a beat. <laughs> That's a great lyric. I think right. we're writing a new song right now. And, and then we can develop into a TV series <laughs> shortly thereafter. I don't know. There are lots of story-type songs that yeah. I think like... Well, Hurricane. The Boxer. How about uh, Simon and Garfunkel, The Boxer? Sure. Right. He could always feel bad about getting hookers at the end of it. He'd be like, ah, there were those times I took some comforting in the horn. Mm-hmm. Felt so bad about that. I mean, a lot of Bon Jovi songs, I feel like. Dude, all shows. of the Bon Jovi songs. Yeah. Story about Johnny, who used to work on the docks. Mm-hmm. Just working all the time. A lot of those 80s songs would do good. I don't know why the plain white tees were able to make this happen, but, you know, bully for them. Yeah, good for them. Try to get a Kardashian on board. Glenn Hughes is set to launch the 18-stop U.S. Classic Hits of Deep Purple live tour. Truck will get underway August 25th in Westbury, New York, and run through September 26th in Terrytown. 
They'll be in Asbury Park, New York, Cleveland, Boston, Providence. So if you're a, a Deep Purple fan of the Glenn Hughes era, there you go. Uh, I'd like to see their music, but only in a TV show. Deep Purple. I'm trying to think. That. Highway Star, that could be a good one. Sure. Could be a good TV show. I'm just thinking of these like serials where the story changes every week, you know? Yeah. It's Ian Gillian getting out of a truck at a truck stop and runs into some people and changes their lives. I don't know. It's a thought. A documentary focused on the making of the three-day 1982 Us Festival. Boy, this one was one of Val's favorites. She's going to be super psyched about this. The Us Festival happened in Devore, California. Uh, it's going to be released on DVD and Blu-ray. Available August 10th, The Us Generation, the making of the 1982 Us Festival, features performances by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Santana, Fleetwood Mac, The Police, and many, many more. Well, that sounds awesome. The documentary also includes interviews with festival founder Steve Wozniak, Mick Fleetwood, Eddie Money, Mickey Hart, Marky Ramone, among others. The festival originally took place September 3rd through 5th and was attended by over 1 million people. Man, it was huge. What? Yeah. I always remember just the Van Halen set from that was like the thing that is always emblazoned in my memory. Oh, that's I've never seen that. I gotta I gotta see that. A man in uh, Custer, Colorado, suspects something out of this world may have killed several animals on his land. Thomas Walker tells K O K O A A T V that the four animals died within days of each other, did not have any marks on them, and did not die from poisoning or other contamination. Hmm. Not satisfied with official explanations, Walker has turned to a nationally known UFO investigator. Is it that guy from Blink-182? It is. That investigator... He shows up butt naked. <laughs> said the case has details similar to other animal deaths he's looked into. But for now, the cause of the deaths remain... Unknown. What's my name again? <laughs> I'm asking, but it's also a song. Is it Tom DeLong, right? He's like one of the foremost UFO... Uh, Enthusiasts? Not an, he's beyond enthusiasts. He gets paid by the government now. What? Yeah. Paid by the government to do what? Like, study UFOs. <laughs> so, okay, so he has uh, Area 51 access now? He does. You remember Area 51 down in uh, the Strip District? Was that where Deja Vu was? Yeah. Was it? It was, it was before Deja Vu. And it was called yeah. Area 51? Area 51, and they had like this whole alien decor inside. It was stupid. Were people doing cocaine off the, the bars? Yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of people were doing cocaine. Oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> off of probes. Yeah. That place was nuts. No, a lot of people, yeah. A lot of people did a lot of drugs there. That whole, that just that block was crazy for a long time. I did. There was a stand-up show there. <laughs> uh, we were talking earlier about my buddy T-Rope. He had like this, this crazy uh, variety night where there would be like, spoken word somebody would get up there and do an r&b song and then stand up and it was actually a great crowd i like it oh yeah it was fun but uh, anyways aliens are killing people's animals yeah well that's what I that guy that thinks happen uh love yourself has taken on a whole new meaning for justin bieber these days if we are going to believe the not He's always reliable man. star tabloid he is a beaten man <laughs> quite often because they say justin and his fiance Haley baldwin are saving themselves for marriage oh isn't that cute they're they're both born again virgins i guess they're both very religious and they want to abstain until they're married wait justin what 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 are you talking about are you talking about the beeps yeah when did this happen Justin's a recent convert. Okay. 
Haley was brought up with religion her whole life. She's a bald one. Okay. So I'm guessing she's Irish Catholic. It's important to them to wait. I mean, they're... That's I mean, kind of strange. I feel like, I mean, he's just been on a tear, though. So after their dates, he goes to a hotel and she goes to her apartment. Oh, my God. He, you know, he goes to his hotel. He's like, good night, baby. Love you. Saving ourselves to marriage. And he's like, yeah, no, bring me mm -hmm. two blondes. No, a brunette. Yeah. Uh, give me, bring me a Latin chick. Yeah. <laughs> I want something spicy tonight. Yeah. Man. Feeling different. Because he's the beeps. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm not buying it. There's no way he's going back and just watching Netflix or anything like that. No way. Um, by the way, uh, the whole saving yourself thing. Yeah. You know, people. People do that. People do that all the time. That's the thing people do. I um, I have, I have a hard time believing when the celebrities make a big thing out of it. Remember when Russell Wilson and Ciara said they were saving themselves? Yeah. Did you believe that? Um. I don't know. Not with her. <laughs> with him, it was believable because he was drinking that, like, Jesus water. Didn't he have, like, there were, like, nano bubbles in his in his water or something? He had Jesus water? Yeah, I swear he was selling uh, some kind of water that was, you know, uh, had been anointed <laughs> by the Holy Ghost or something. I don't, I don't know. I think you're supposed to drink holy water. No, I, I, I didn't, but he does. That's why he's so good. But there are people, you know, they will do the, uh, they'll, they'll re-virginize themselves. <laughs> re-virginize? Yeah, you I mean, know. that's hilarious. On the Malcolm Gladwell podcast. I'm going to rip podcast, this back to the studs and totally do a reno on my, uh, my sex life. On Malcolm Gladwell's podcast, he talked about Elvis and Priscilla's relationship. And Priscilla did an interview with Barbara Walters back in the day. And I still cannot believe this. But he, so Elvis picked her out, basically, when she was 14. And he's like... That's not creepy at You'll all. be blooming soon, and when you are, oh. I want you with me. He, Please tell me he didn't use that phrasing. <laughs> I'm just guessing that's how Elvis talked. You'll be blooming when soon. That, when that onion blooms, <laughs> call the king. So <laughs> she's finally of age. They get together, and then Priscilla Presley said they didn't have sex for six years. Why? Well, I'm guessing, number one, all right, the whole thing that Priscilla said was he wanted to have a wife that was like his mother. He wanted to have girlfriends, and he wanted to have a wife. And the wife was, like, going to have be a motherly thing. And then he would, you know, bang Anne Margaret on the side. Yeah. But they didn't have sex for six years. That's a long time. And Priscilla said she was begging Elvis, and he was like, no can do. Got to stay clean. Sorry, baby. Sorry, baby. And then she said that they would like lock themselves Make me a sandwich. in his room for like six days with the curtains drawn and they would watch TV and sleep and not move and have food brought in and they wouldn't go anywhere because it, it was her thinking that Elvis liked to be like encapsulated like he was in the womb. Um, Let's get in the womb for a few days and watch the, the Jeffersons. Yeah, but it's weird that we're eating chicken tenders in the womb. I just don't feel like that was what you ate in the womb. Could you imagine being married and not having sex for six years? I mean, there's a lot of married guys out there that are like, yeah, I can I could imagine that. DVE Sports. All right, Mike Posada. Persa John Cicada. John Cicada, you got a regatta. 
Live from Steelers Steelers training camp, Mike Pursuta right now with your sports on DVE. Before we get to the uh, Steelers, Mike, uh, last night in Colorado, Jameson Tyone tossing a gem. Pretty cool stuff. Sports this hour brought to you by Citizens Bank. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually Citizens Bank. Uh, Jameson Tyone went the distance, 107 pitches. He gave up 10 hits. But he only uh, walked one and only struck out three, and that's why he was able to hang around uh, and complete a 10-2 victory over the Colorado Rockies. Jamison Tyone, now one of five pitchers uh, in Major League Baseball this season with two complete games. The other four are in the American League. Uh, Pirates uh, improving with that uh, victory last night. Two, 58 and 56. They're eight and a half behind the Cubs in the division. Five out in the wild card chase. One more in Colorado. 310 this afternoon. Chris Archer gets the ball for the Pirates. His second start with the Buckos. And I want to take you back to a story written by Peter Gammons in The Athletic on August the 3rd. Peter Gammons has done some baseball work over the years. Uh, he mm-hmm. wrote a long story about Chris Archer and all the moves that Neil Huntington made at the trade deadline, the non-waiver trade deadline on July the 31. Uh, The story maintains that according to three general managers, quote, Neil Huntington did the best job of anyone at the deadline. And uh, the reason they think that is Archer. Uh, His career numbers are not overwhelming unless you're talking about all the innings he eats and all the batters he strikes out. But Gammons makes a nice argument uh, suggesting you have to uh, take Archer's numbers with a little bit of an asterisk because 59% of his starts in the major leagues have been made in the AL East. Right. His his career ERA, Archer's, in Camden uh, Yards, Fenway Park, Rogers Center, and Yankee Stadium is 5.87. He doesn't have to worry about that stuff anymore. Hmm. Uh, Gammons goes on to summarize, quote, this is not a trade deadline deal simply to make the 2018 playoffs. It is to restore a front-end starter's career and keep the Pirates relevant through 2021. Archer can help Joe Musgrove, Clay Holmes, Trevor Williams, Jamison Tyone, Chad Cool, Mitch Keller at all. Some deals are made because a team is all in for that particular season. This deal is for a small market, small revenue team to be relevant in what happens to be a great sports city where people want to live. So pretty cool stuff from Peter. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I kind of took that into account, Mike, whenever they were on their, their most recent slide and people were saying, well, they're kind of screwed. Uh, I, I mean, I thought making the playoffs this year was a long shot. I thought that they just played well enough to have the team not be dismantled. And the fact that they got Archer was like such a bonus. It Like what, what happens this year in terms of them making the postseason is not as relevant to me as what they're going to be possibly able to do next year if they get off to a decent start. I, I would agree with you, but uh, just looking at these last three games, uh, Trevor Williams allowed two runs. Joe Musgrove allowed two runs. Jamison Tyone allowed two runs. They're, all of a sudden, their pitching is coming into focus, not just the front end but the back end. Don't forget about uh, Keone Kella, the guy they got from Texas. If they pitch as well as I think they can pitch, they're going to be in it this year because I, I think the mm-hmm. offense is there more often than not. Obviously, the last couple of days it hasn't been, but I think this team's going to score some runs. If they can pitch the way I think they can pitch, it's going to be a very interesting rest of August and uh, month of September. Uh, also, uh, the defense has gotten better. Uh, Adani 
Hechevaria, excuse me, has reported he was uh, active for the game last night in Denver. I think it's just Etcha. I don't think you say the H. Yeah, Echevarria. I had Echevarria once. <laughs> Call your doctor if you think Echevarria took might some, be right for you. Took some penicillin, got rid of it. Side effects include anal leakage. Oh, uh, Sh- Sean Rodriguez has... Uh, it's anal leakage night at the ballpark. <laughs> Sean Rodriguez goes on the 10-day DL to make room for Adani Echevarria. I Can sure he go good. on the permanently uh, DL? Yeah, I thought they were going to DFA Sean Rodriguez, but he's still hanging around. On, go ahead. Dude. Well, I was going to say, let's talk Steelers because uh, as this segment uh, nears the midpoint here, Mike, we are one day away from Steelers football. We are. They're playing the uh, Eagles in Philly on Thursday night. That would be the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. He said finally. Never <laughs> thought he would, but he did. Uh, I want to talk to uh, you guys this hour about John Bostic. Uh, spoke to you a little bit this week about Jim Miller uh, and, and his high opinion of Bostic based on Miller broadcasting Bears games when uh, Bostic was a second-round pick out of Florida. He has bounced around. The Steelers are his fifth team in six years, and he missed one year entirely due to injury. But Jim Miller thinks that John Bostic has not thrived because of circumstances more than because he's just not a guy that's going to thrive in the NFL. And uh, John Bostic, not to make excuses, but he kind of pretty much concurs with that theory. You can't, you know, look at everything that was, you know, kind of put out there, you know, because it's, you know, not everything's correct. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, what I went through, you know, I've been in, you know, places where it's been a lot of coaching changes, um, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, I'm not pouting about it. Um, you know, I got caught in a trade, you know, twice in one year. That's rare that, you know, people get traded once, you know, but you're talking about twice in one year, like, you know, hey, um, you know, mentally at first, you know, kind of got to me, but then it was just like, you know what, like, I kind of looked at it totally different. Like I, I was able to be exposed to a lot of different schemes, be around a lot of different coaches, learn a lot of different things. Yeah, and he, he did get to uh, play with the Colts last year, 14 starts before he wound up on the injured reserve list. And uh, with the Colts, at least last year, John Bostic was the guy the Steelers want him to be this year, that versatile guy who can communicate and who can help call the shots on defense. It was big to me, and I mean, it showed last year on the field in Indy. Um, you know, they gave me a lot of leeway to do a lot of different things, you know, with changing the front. They were like, listen, like, you know, we're not out there. You know, if they give us this, hey, you know, check out of it. If you feel something this, you know, do this, do that. And it's like, you know, if we get to the sideline, you know, hey, you know, good check on that. You know, we they came out under center, you know, we were expecting this, but they gave us that. You felt it. Um, and they were they allowed me to do a lot of different things because, you know, they knew mentally, you know, I had been exposed to a lot of those things. I played in the Tampa too. I played in a heavy cover three scheme, played in the heavy man scheme, heavy quarter scheme. So it's like it's a lot of stuff, you know, that I've seen and it's, you know, not too much I haven't seen. So now, you know, it's about carrying that stuff over. You know, I'm still a young guy and whatnot. Um, you know, got a lot you know, a lot of time, you know, and years left on me, you know, so I'm you know, I'm ready to, you know, get to work and, you know, show off, you know, exactly what I did last year and just, you know, keep improving on it. I like this guy a lot. Now he he can talk, right? Mm-hmm. Does he remind you of Arthur Motes at all? Yeah, you know, he can he can go. Uh, but that's one of the reasons they brought him in as well. Uh, communicate, 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 and then uh, when you're done with that, communicate. That's not going to be a problem for John Bostic. You know, that's one thing you know the coaches said. You know, they've definitely seen that, and other players that have you know came with him as you know as well and say, you know, man, it's so much easier. You know, when you're out there. 
you know, the, you know you're always telling me what to do it's like I, it's like I don't have to think I can you know play fast you know it's funny last year uh, Antonio Morris and him and I played together at Florida and he knows how I am and Antonio's a really smart guy as well and he would be out there he to be honest he's like another version of me he would you know be like stop telling me you know like what to do and I'm just like I can't help it like you know I'm always communicating I'm always talking you know but that's the way both of us you know were raised you know it was just you know you got to lead you got to talk you know over communicate because at the end of the day you can never have too much communication out there and you know I think that's you know another thing that this defense needs we everybody's got to be on the same page you got to make sure we're communicating you know we can't have any of those bust or missed assignments you know like we did in the past they still call you boom bostic some people do so yeah, they call sad. him Mr. Boom Bostic. <laughs> That's probably where it came from, right? That was the uh, nickname Jim Miller had for him. But I found that interesting. He talked about the defense. He said, we can't have those busted coverages we had last year. He wasn't here last year, but he kind of owned it. I like that. Because <laughs> he's here now. He, 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 he you sound like I a put jag that on he, me, guys. He, he, he would sound like a jag if he said, we can't have all those screw-ups they made last year. <laughs> right. You, know, you can't distance yourself from that, right? But that's, uh, I mean, he's on the do-better chair for what these guys did last year. I mean, that's yeah. not right. Well, he's here now, so so you own it, right? Right. That's and how they, it works. When you when you get better. hired somewhere to fix something, you come in and say, hey, we can't let that happen anymore. Not like, I don't know what these guys are doing last year. They were a mess. Hope I they mean, figured that out. Good thing they got me, because, boy, did they stink a year <laughs> yeah. ago. But have you ever had any work done on your house? Like, that's all the workers do is they talk trash on the people who used to do work on yes, your house. Yes, that is true. I don't know who did this job, but this is the worst this guy I have ever seen. no idea what he was doing. This faucet <laughs> should not be on the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how good this guy's going to be, but I, I was completely unimpressed when they signed him, and uh, I am finding him more intriguing by the day out here. Well... Good because it was we kind of a question mark there. Yeah, we I mean, I was em. completely unimpressed when they signed him. Fifth team in six years, missed uh, the 2016 season entirely due to a foot injury. Who is this guy? What are they doing? Come on. This is your answer for Ryan Chazier? Well, no, but he's going to help make them better, I think. Well, that's uh, that's the goal. I know you were talking about it when we were out there at camp. That uh, you had started to been become sold on him as the next guy because there was even some scuttlebutt as to whether or not Matikavich was going to get a lot of reps there. But Boston, well, yeah, is- and they started Matikavich in OTAs. He was running with the ones, but uh, last week they switched that. And not that Tyler Matikavich is totally out of the picture, but every eleven on eleven drill now, John Bostic starts it with Vince Williams. Steeler football tomorrow night. Steelers and Eagles live from uh, Philadelphia. You're going to Philly, Mike. You're going home. Randall, put it this way. If you wake up at like 2 a.m. tonight and go eat some cereal, that's the time I'll be sucking down a couple of cheesesteaks from Pat's King of Steaks, baby! How psyched are you going to be? I'm very psyched. Is it Lincoln Financial Field? It is. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock kickoff. We'll start the pregame at 3 o'clock tomorrow right here on your home of the black and gold, 102.5 DVE. It is the DVE morning show. Randy Bauman along with Bill Crawford. We'll Good have, morning. Hi. Tim Benz will be How on the show you? a little bit Good? later on this morning. All right. I want to remind you, our friend Jimmy Schubert. Schubert. Schub. He'll be coming into town at the Arcade Comedy Theater on August 17th. That's next Friday. He'll be on the show next week. Get your tickets now. That'll sell out. That's a small room. And if you haven't seen Schubert or if you saw him at the uh, the Biome a couple of years ago, dear Lord, that man is funny. I mean, 
he really is a hilarious dude. Jimmy Schubert. I was driving around today. I pulled off the freeway. I get stuck at the bottom of the off-ramp. There's a guy standing there. I had to be tipping the scales at a smooth 420 pounds. I don't want to say he was fat. I'll just say he was gravitationally challenged. I mean, the back of his neck looked like a package of ballpark franks. <laughs> and he's holding a cardboard sign that says, We'll work for food. The audacity of it. I'm screaming out my car window. Hey, take some time off, will you? <laughs> what are you, a workaholic? <laughs> Give somebody else a chance, you bastard. <laughs> Jimmy Schubert, oh. he is absolutely hilarious. Uh, so that is going to be next Friday, August 17th. Last time he was here, he was a headliner, of course, at the DV Comedy Festival. Now he's back. At the city's favorite spot downtown for comedy in the cultural district, twenty bucks a ticket, well worth it. How about definitely? This? Tom Cruise currently in the new Mission Impossible. Yeah, there's a new Mission Impossible. A lot of people don't know that they're still making those. Did what is you, what is this one? Ghost Protocol Three. Do you know that Tom Cruise is five years older? Right now, uh-huh. in this Mission Impossible movie, uh-huh. than Wilford Brimley was when he was in <laughs> Cocoon. Now, come on. Come on. This is true. How, is Tom Cruise 70 years old right now? No. How old is he? He's 54. Oh, my God. Wilford Brimley looked terrible. Or no, he might be older than that. <laughs> That's like, the takeaway. Is, is the takeaway is this. Wilford Brimley was only 49 when he started oh the movie Cocoon as a resident in an old folks home. He looked terrible. I mean. Is this about Tom Cruise? Like, look, Tom Cruise looks young. No, he's seven years older. I'm sorry, because Tom Cruise is 56. So Wilford Brimley was only 49 in Cocoon. Yeah, but it, Wilford Brimley did do all his own stunts in that movie. <laughs> I know. Which was just laying in a pool. But still. I had to piggyback on John Amici. <laughs> Bouncing around cocoons, you bastard. Damn. 50, Tom Cruise is 56 years old. Wilford, don't you, Wilford Brimley was 49 in the movie Cocoon. Don't you feel like Wilford Brimley looked like an old man for his entire life? Yeah, he's one of those people. Like, is there any pictures of Wilford Brimley as a young man? <laughs> no. I haven't seen him. He, he just popped out of the womb and immediately started complaining, I got bursitis. <laughs> he had a walrus mustache at his first birthday party. <laughs> I just want to thank you all for being here for my, for my numero uno. It's a big one for me. He's just it. talking and already curmudgeoning. This means a lot to have family around me, <laughs> mostly because I can't walk right now. Boy, he sure talks a lot. This high chair... Is riding up my ass. <laughs> <laughs> who's your goo? Who's your goo goo? I'll tell you who's your goo goo. Diabetes, that's who. <laughs> Thank God Liberty Mutual wants to help. Uh, I always say Liberty a, Mutual. They, it's Liberty Medical, really. But I know. But did they get me a box? <laughs> What's in What's, the box? Eating this cake is a bad idea. Let me take you over here to the to the dry erase board. Show you some figures. 50. Oh, he can walk. He's already walking. 
He's in an old folks home in Cocoon. He takes his grandson fishing. He's only 49 years old. Do you know how de- like how how demoralizing is that if you're in Hollywood and they're like, "We'd like you to play a 78-year-old man." I'm only 49. <laughs> yeah, but you nailed it. <laughs> really. You you really pl- you, you skew decades older, Wilfred. A lot of people don't know this. Gene Collier is 48 years old. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. That's right. He had uh, Sean when he was, you know, just a pup. Yeah, they put him on the $10 bill, and then, you know, (laughs) after that. So uh, as you're watching Mission Impossible, think about the fact that Tom Cruise is seven years older than Wilford Brimley was in Cocoon as he's hanging off airplanes and doing all the uh, crazy stuff that he... insane. Scientology keeps you young. Diabetes will age you. Mike Pursuit is live from Steelers Training Camp. We'll talk with him more next hour. Tim Benz talking Buccos, a little bit of pens, and also Mike Tomlin's expectations for tomorrow night that's coming up on DVE. A link to Maryland's GOP's Twitter feed from the Republican National Committee's website is gone after directing folks to a porn site for more than six months. Maryland, it just shows you how very, how few people actually click on this stuff. <laughs> Way to it be right a lot on to top s- of that, guys. I can't believe that doesn't happen more. Mm-hmm. Like just because human error is just part of part of our, you know, uh, being. Like I don't see how Coca Cola's webmaster doesn't let that domain expire, and then some like you know, <laughs> you know, Coca Cola porn site basically comes up right in, in top of it. Oh my God! Look at these polar bears. <laughs> this is gross. <laughs> Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Yeah, it is the DVE Morning Show. Val's on vacation. I'm just doing the news for you today. A quick look at the weather. Not everyone gets wet. There you go. <laughs> That's it. All right, do the whole thing. For 11. Sounds like some book for middle-aged women or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Some people are inside. A Cannonsburg so. man will stand trial for exposing himself to a 15-year-old and her mother at North Strabane Township Municipal Park last month. Not everybody gets wet. Samuel Bruno's charges were held for court after he was accused of exposing himself to the two while walking in the ah. park. Bruno was allegedly high on Xanax at the time. No, that's not an that's excuse. Not, I don't feel mm-hmm. like that's a good excuse. Nope. That's not an excuse. Bruno remains in Washington County Prison on $100,000 bail. I've done Xanax. Do you ever? It doesn't like. No, no, never had the urge. You don't want a free willy or anything no. like that. Mm-mm. Definitely had. Like the last time I did it was one of the only times I've done it. I was sitting on a bar stool having a conversation with a friend, and uh, then I woke up at my apartment. Oh yeah. And I called the bar to say, "Hey, I think I uh, left there without closing my tab." No, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> I closed my tab. You weren't here. Last night. Then that I went into a, Then I went into another bar like a month later, and the owner was like, we cool, man? And I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? He was like, I don't know, man. You came in here. You kept telling me to put the game on. It was like one in the morning. <laughs> put the game on. No. <laughs> no, man. There's no games on. Put that game on. He's like, I, he's like I, if I had a game <laughs> just on tape, I would have put it on. I didn't have one. How great would that be? He just puts on some stupid game. <laughs> just a replay or something. Put on the History Channel. You're watching Crazy Legs Hearse run around. <laughs> Quiet, guys. I got money on this. Watching Super Bowl Nine here. 
Paul McCartney's carpool, uh, carpool karaoke segment on the Late Show with Late Late Show with James Corden is set to be turned into a primetime special. CBS will air the one-hour special Carpool Karaoke when Corden met McCartney live from Liverpool on August twentieth. You got to watch this. Stop being a jag. I will. Everybody loves this. It's amazing. Uh, it features never-before-seen footage of when McCartney returned to Liverpool. CBS says the original emotional segment has almost 130 million digital views across Facebook and YouTube. Yeah, I mean, they go to, like, to everywhere. They go to Penny Lane. They go to, you know, his old barber shop. They go to, his ho- like, his house. And everywhere they go, like, whenever they walk in, by the time they leave, there's just huge crowds outside. And they're singing the whole time. And they're, they're just taking a tour of everywhere. Like, oh, yeah, we used to play that club over there. And oh, there's a little thing over there. It's a terrible accent. I know. Uh, I do want to see it. Um, Don't let that get in the way. <laughs> does, he, does he have a better Liverpudlian accent than that? He has a that? way better Paul McCartney okay, accent than good. I do. Corden yeah. has done three previous carpool karaoke primetime specials. Oh, the hey. first two earning Emmys. Two oh, Emmys? It's not bad. <laughs> it's just that, that's that. This this accent is pretty bad. Pretty bad. Though. Fleetwood Mac singer Stevie Nicks is set to polish off her acting skills. What's she polishing off? It was... Polish was dangling there. Sorry. A dangling polish. She said uh, to polish hmm? her acting skills with a return to American Horror Story Apocalypse. Creators of the horror anthology series tweeted yesterday about the return of Nick's. Thaisa Farmiga, Gabare Sidibe, Gabare Sidibe, Lily Robb, and Francis Conroy. The forthcoming eighth season will be a crossover between Murder House and Coven, which the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame singer guest starred on in 2004. I didn't realize the show was that old. Is that Me neither. A, have we determined if that's a typo? Stop talking like Paul McCartney. What do you mean? Apocalypse is scheduled to premiere September 12th on FX. More Beatles stuff. A guitar played by George Harrison during the Beatles' final performance of The Cavern Club. It's worth a lot of money now. In Liverpool is being sold at auction. The auction will take place September 12th and 13th at the... Uh, uh, and, rather, the Maton Master Sound MS500 guitar is expected to sell for as much as 500 grand. Whoa. The guitar which Harrison played pounds? at the last Cavern show on August 3rd, 1963, has been exhibited at the Beatles Story Museum in Liverpool from 2014 to 2018. All right. From- it's just fun to see how upset you get at, at a bad accent. Oh, no. it's I- It makes you mad. No, I... It really does upset you. I... And I enjoy that. <laughs> I I uh I perform many bad accents. Speaking of accents, one of my favorites, Jimmy Page, in an effort to further explain why he's against his neighbor, singer Robbie Williams, putting an extension on his London mansion, <laughs> as well as an underground swimming pool. He invi- he invited this guy from Britain's Channel 4 News into his home for a tour. That's dubbed the Tower House. It was built in London's posh Kensington section mm, in the late 1800s. And Page purchased it from actor Richard Harris in the 1970s. The French Gothic Revival townhouse has an ornate medieval interior with stunning craftsmanship, fresco ceilings, intricately laid tile floors, leaded windows, sculptures, and more. You know, Jimmy Page stuff, basically. Page argues the construction of the Williams homes is is, uh, causing damage, and he pointed out a crack in one of the walls caused by the drilling. Here's uh, Jimmy Page. So the refurbishments that Robbie Williams has done so far, they had to give this guarantee. They would only use hand tools and the rest of it, no heavy hammers and the rest of it. And that seems to have gone okay. Yes. And if that 
if, if more comes forward, um, well, then you want the same terms. That's right. I'm not trying to stop people refurbishing their houses, whether it's Robbie Williams' side or the other side. It's more a question that they don't damage Tower House. And I seem to be the lone voice doing that. Right. I just want them to use nothing but rubber mallets <laughs> for the refurbishment. Basically, any tools that could have been used in Santa's workshop. <laughs> Tiny. Tiny little, Tiny little wooden mallets. Just a little chisel. Considering I've been in since 1970, over the last few years, we've been having problems with threats of undergrounding hmm. on both threats sides, not just on the Robbie Williams that's side. That's people building down the, uh, and putting a That's where they're going to go, well, whether they have a swimming pool. The, yes, Robbie Williams would like to have a swimming pool. You're not just a NIMBY, not in my backyard. No, not at all. But you are a custodian of a house like this, and you pass it on the way you had it. I think Robbie Williams is a member of the Viet Cong. He's built an intricate series of tunnels <laughs> underneath my house. <laughs> you know, uh, Steve Gorman tweeted out about this. And it was so funny. He was like, you know, you can become the biggest rock star in the world, ascend to the greatest heights, get all the riches and fame and everything you wanted. And at the very end of it, you still got to argue with Robbie Williams over a pool. <laughs> He's, he's at home too much. This is why we're rockers tour. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that they're not sitting around all day listening to people work on the house. I'm trying to remaster presents for the eighth time. <laughs> and your drilling is annoying. <laughs> Angelina Jolie says Brad Pitt on this two-year mark from their split are not getting along, the two of them. Angelina filed court papers yesterday saying Brad has paid, quote, no meaningful child support since the separation. Up to now, they only had an informal agree agreement, but since Brad has supposedly not been living up to his word, she wants to make the court to make it official and make it retroactive to when they broke up. I mean, I don't understand this. The dude's got tons of cash. Angelina's rep says, quote, hey. the aim of Angelina's routine filing is to promote closure to the marriage in a way that clears a path toward the next stage of their lives and allows her and Brad to recommit as devoted co-parents to their children. Hey, he's got all that meet Joe Black money. I mean, come on. <laughs> her previous divorce lawyer apparently quit. She's got new lawyers now. Angelina is, quote, fueled with anger and has gotten ridiculously unreasonable, her previous lawyer said. So he's like, I'm out of here. Yeah, she's probably home too much. Again, this is uh, people need That's to get, theory. get out of the house. Yeah. Otherwise, you end up uh, taking your ex to court and uh, trying to sue your neighbor. So that American Horror Story story that we did earlier about Stevie Nicks was probably 2014 since that show had only begun in 2011. All right. Uh, other entertainment world news. Matthew Perry. Friends. Chandler Bing. He's recovering from surgery. It sounds like he's okay now, but it wasn't so good before that he had a hole in his stomach ah oh. a gastrointestinal perforation that happens when a hole forms all the way through your stomach well, that that can be very dangerous right because yeah. you can go septic yeah uh, it can be due to a number of different reasons uh appendicitis diver diverticulitis i thought drinking had something to do with that but i don't know i could be wrong also trauma like a knife wound or a gunshot wound yeah, because that actually, you know, helps create a hole. A hole. Yeah. Right. And uh, last but not least, 
Over the weekend, a Hollywood st- uh, studio swooped in and outbid Lance Bass for the Brady Bunch house. Poor Lance Bass. Oh, man, the kid can't win. Actually, HGTV he's, he's bought rich it. And famous. They're going to restore it to the 1970s glory we all knew it to be, and HGTV is going to make it a part of a television show going forward. So that's cool. I that's think really cool. The Brady Bunch house was one of the coolest television houses of all time. For sure. Like if I have to rank television homes, I'd go Brady Bunch house. Okay. Right at number one, just because it was. I loved the open floor plan. Plus, I feel like I know the house. Like let's walk from the garage. Okay. okay. You walk right in through that patio. Oh, There's yeah. a little lawn where Joe Namath was playing catch with Bobby. All right. Then you go in the patio doors there to that back little room. Yeah. All right. There's a little. Uh, this is like a, uh, a little TV a room, like a little yeah, yeah, that they had there, almost like a sun porchish area. I feel like Alice hung out in there a lot. Yeah, and then to the right, you'd walk right into the kitchen, and Alice's uh, uh, cave was back behind the kitchen. That's where like she slept in the laundry. Yeah. What was that all about? We never saw her bed. It was just that's where she lived. I'm pretty sure. So they had that. So uh, she would hang out in the den when like they weren't home. Right, so they had the kitchen there, and then there was glass sliding doors that went out to a big patio, all right? Then awesome. from the kitchen, all of that exposed brick, you walked right <laughs> into that huge- That's big now. I know. It's awesome. And then they had the huge, wide-open living room. Yep. With the open stairs. Yep. Open staircase. Open, but carpeted. <laughs> and then they had one, two, three, four bedrooms and an attic. And an attic. Yeah, because that's Greg where lived, Greg. Yeah, Greg lived. Greg there. got down in the attic. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that house is amazing. I, I put that in number one. Number two, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh my God, yeah, that was, that was a pretty they good one. They lived in Bel Air. Yeah, it's it's a nice house. I'm sure there are other nice ones I'm not thinking of, but uh, the Full House one was actually for sure pretty nice. But then if you just went apartments, I would go Friends apartment in New York City. Oh my God, because that would be what like forty. K a month right now. An apartment with a balcony? Just like they had a whole patio outside? Huge. Just an insanely yeah. nice apartment. Uh, the second one, I'd go with uh, Two and a Half Men. Oh, yeah. That's super nice. I Because like that the, wasn't really a house, I right? Like the, that was like a, that was like a bungalow. I like the tile on the, uh, the footer of the steps. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? It's like this... Uh, it's Moroccan that, kind of towel or something. Yeah, it's that California thing, right? That uh, I love it. And they had a great view. Yeah, they're right a, on the that, beach. that house was sick. And then third was that apartment. A house? It, I, I, was, I think it was a house. No, I th- I'm saying I think it was like a bungalow, like an apartment. Yeah. I think it was like the Regal Beagle was upstairs. It was like Three's Company place. That then, place. Th- that was not no, nice. Not no, nice. that was crappy. Mister Roper kept that place crappy. Yeah. Even Furley didn't do anything to the place. And he the door to the nice. kitchen seems like that would be annoying. Yeah, well, he kept hitting everybody in the yeah. face. So, yeah. yeah. But then the third apartment, I mean, the Seinfeld apartment is... I Iconic. Mean, yeah. It's the meeting place. I would I would like that place just for... Because it felt like it was right in Midtown, and it felt like that's where everyone met up to go out. Yeah, but it wasn't a nice apartment. It no. was a real New York-looking apartment, just sparse... A little bigger than most New York apartments, but Bike still. on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> that he never, ever rode. Never. But what was the third one I had? I wrote, I wrote down a third one. Now I can't remember it. I mean, you could go old school and be like um, Mary Tyler Moore or something like do that. Do you remember- Those places were huge. The house. Do you remember a show called Silver Spoons? 
Oh, yeah, dude. They were rich. Dude, That's they like had that. a train going through their living room. Well, the whole idea was that was Silver Spoon. Yeah. Yeah, they were rich. Was it? Did I totally Pittsburgh that and just make it plural? Was it called Silver Spoon? No, I think it was Silver Spoons. Okay. Is Benzie on the... Uh, Tim Benz is on that, the phone right now. That house was, was it Silver sick. Spoons or Silver Spoon, Tim? Uh, I think it was Silver Spoons. And in your vivid description of the Brady Bunch household, you forgot two important items. Number one, Mike's massive den. Oh, yeah. He had, where Greg occasionally had to sleep in the pullout couch. <laughs> and uh, you forgot the giant granite horse that sat at the bottom of the stairs that turned into a focal point of the Brady Bunch sequel movie. Yeah, you're right. I did forget about that huge horse. That thing had to weigh 900 pounds. He made that, that little den he had. That's where he would do, like, architectural drawings and stuff. Exactly right. Yeah, and how about the mansion for Benson or maybe the house oh. for Family Ties with Alex P. Keaton where 90% of their lives occurred in the kitchen, as I recall? I think 90% yeah. of everyone's lives occur in the kitchen, Well, though. you know, and it's funny, that house, that was the first time I remember being like, what is that thing they're standing around? Oh, that's an island. Well, I've never seen a kitchen island. They just stand there all day and just say Alex P. Keaton in a tie, just talking to his mom. And boy, the Cosby show got a lot of mileage inside out of that townhouse. So there's a yeah. lot more inside. That brownstone? Outside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah. Now it, ha- it feels creepy. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> tough to... Tough to feel good but about that But I do that remember one. in the kitchen, like, he had, a lot of people had this, the phone on the wall and then the chair right underneath it. It was basically like there was, you know, like a little tiny, oh, yeah. like, desk or surface area where you could sit down to talk on the phone. Your, well, your, kitchen your phone chair. big for all the roofies he kept there. Yeah, yeah right. right. Someone tweeted the Sopranos <laughs> house. I mean, I kind of feel like that's like a movie almost. I'm, I, I'm thinking more. Is? I'm thinking situation comedy homes, you know, because you could do the eight is enough house if you're going to do houses. That was a huge house. You could even get into the Simpsons if you wanted to go cartoons as well. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. well, the cartoon house. I don't know. They had a regular old Springfield house though. Nothing uh, particularly special about it, other than the perfect occupants. strangers. They had a nice apartment. I don't remember. It wasn't it really that nice. No, not at all. I like the house in Growing Pains because they had like an atrium in their kitchen. Yeah, they did. Yeah, that and was then it nice. went right out to the the uh, the garage that had a carriage house. But how was the house in Growing Pains any different from the house in Mr. Belvedere? Weren't they like the same? I don't houses? think Mr. Belvedere. I don't think that house had an atrium. You know, he sat on his testicles, and they had to they had to suspend. I missed that episode. Yeah, no, it wasn't an episode oh. that happened in real life. The actor <laughs> that played Mr. Belvedere sat on his on his testicles. And they had to suspend production for like a week. Drop, kick my jacket when I walk through the door. Ah, I saw my balls! You know what? Sitting, <laughs> sitting on one's testicles is the only injury that Senquist Golson didn't get during his time as a Steeler. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Senquist. What about the house in uh, Who's the Boss? They, they, which they had the carriage house, too, that the... Uh, the the horny mother used to live. I mean in. that that house in in Connecticut, Tim. What do you think that would go for? Oh, uh, well, see, I, I was raised in Connecticut, so I'm going to guess that one probably would go for right about now. Uh, would you say six hundred thousand? Six seven hundred, easy. Yeah, I might be. What town was it in Connecticut, though? How close? To I New always York got was it was the, the impression it was close to New York because she was always going into the city. So yeah, if it was Fairfield or something like that, or somewhere like one of those towns that's nice along the Merritt. Probably more than seven hundred and fifty k. Let's talk. Where a you little- going, Angela? Angela. Uh, 
You know, and like every normal housewife in Connecticut, she just picks some rando Brooklyn dude in a van to live in her house. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, you mind I, if my I, daughter comes and lives with us, too? I guess. Sure. Jonathan? I wasn't listening to Milano looking these days. I sort of lost track of her. Phenomenal. She's beautiful, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, still getting it done. Uh, wasn't wasn't she doing like NFL commercials? Like she was uh, rocking like team gear. I don't know. Well, she's the got pe- that team gear thing at the Penguin, yeah. at the uh, Console Energy Center, right? Yeah, when you go into the Penguins Penguins team store, there's a big cutout of her. But I don't know. That might have been an ode to Robbie Brown. Who knows? Oh, good call. Right. Yeah, I think that's accurate, actually. So, Pro Football Talk did this uh, uh, hit the other day, saying like, "Oh, the Steelers are really screwing up their draft choices on the depth chart. There, nobody's even sniffing a starting position." And uh, Florio seems to have uh, some sort of. Uh, I don't know, vendetta against the Steelers. There's always these negative Steeler stories coming out. Uh, And that one was kind of unfounded because Mike Tomlin doesn't really give a rat's ass about the depth chart this time of the year. But uh, no doubt about it, first-year players, some of them are going to be looked to to make a contribution early on. But it's really the uh, second-year guys that Mike Tomlin needs to get going, Tim. Yeah, exactly. I wrote about that today in the Trib, and he's real big on that first-year to second-year leap, and I know that's a coaching cliche. A lot of coaches say that, but in talking to players uh, who have gone through that recently or are going through it now, they really say that Tomlin preaches it nonstop. And, uh, they're coming off a year where they had a pretty good rookie class, right? I mean, you can look at T.J. Watt, second in the NFL with sack totals uh, from last year along with um, – Juju Smith-Schuster, who led the NFL in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns, and Cam Sutton looked pretty good uh, given the time that he had in the second half of the season. When given the ball, Connor ran it pretty well when he stayed healthy. So I think they've got a pretty good sophomore class that they can build off of from last year's rookie class, which is big because I'm a little concerned about the class before maybe stagnating uh, coming off of their rookie season a year ago. Like Burns and Davis and uh, Javon Hargrave, they all did some good things, but uh, I think they were looking for a little, a leap forward more, especially from the two guys in the secondary last year. Yeah, and Sutton uh, being a big part of uh, what they need, uh, guys they need to uh, step up this year. I'm concerned about this defensive scheme coming in here this year because of all of the changes. When their number one problem last year was communication. And then you take out Ryan Shazier, and now you put in more moving parts, new coaches, new terminology. Ugh. Boy, it's, it's going to be tough, I think, to get that coordinated in the first few weeks. Well, you guys are talking about American Horror Story Apocalypse. That's how I would describe the Steeler defense the second <laughs> half of the season after Shazier got hurt. And uh, I'm with you, Randy. Uh, one thing that I really wanted to see transpire early in camp was exactly how they were going to implement all these safeties running around all over the field. Since they don't have Shazier, they're kind of maybe lean on that, this dollar defense they're talking about. We've seen some of it, but we didn't see a lot of it with Morgan Burnett, who's been injured quite a bit since coming over from Green Bay and missed some time in camp. Uh, he's supposed to be a hub of communication. He has been out there a ton. Apparently Terrell Edmonds is doing pretty decent in that regard, but he's just a rookie. Uh, I do think it's going to be fun to watch him maybe in that lurk or rover position, something akin to what he played at Virginia Tech, and Burnett, in essence, playing a quasi-inside linebacker when they do have the seven DBs out there, or even six. Um, It's creative. It's different. uh, It's moving with the times. I like the notion, but at the same time, uh, let's not kid ourselves, they tried really hard to get up in the draft to get Rashawn Evans to do this more conventionally. So this is almost like necessity is the mother of invention for them. So what uh, are we looking to see tomorrow night? Who is going to have the biggest spotlight shown on them in uh, Lincoln Financial Field? 
Well, when you were talking about the Florio piece about you know the uh, rookies and the depth chart being screwed up the draft class, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what is really preventing James Washington from being the third receiver. Uh, why not? I bet you he gets a lot of time. I do think we'll see all three quarterbacks, uh, Landry Jones, Josh Dobbs, and Mason Rudolph. Uh, Rudolph, from what I've been able to see in the time that I've been up at training camp, has kind of been forced to be on the move a lot. He's been playing behind third-string offensive linemen, but Randy Fittner says he kind of wants to see that anyway to make him a little bit uncomfortable as a rookie, just to know what it's like once he goes out there and has to face a real pass rush. Tomlin talked about that yesterday, too, but he's gotten better as camp has gone along, so I look for those guys. Uh, I also want to see where they put Edmonds, how they deploy him, what different spots he plays in. That's going to be interesting for me to watch and how they do split time amongst the inside linebackers. Everybody's talking about between Matikiewicz and Bostic, uh, how those guys are attempting to fill in for Ryan Chazier here and there. But I also want to see how often Vince Williams stays on the field as the lone inside linebacker potentially at times uh, when they're out there in nickel and dime looks. So will you be manning the uh, pregame tomorrow? Uh, yes, I believe it starts after the electric lunch with Michelle Michaels today. <laughs> That's uh, basically what it is. <laughs> Doing a full 40-hour pregame. That's well, there's right. a lot for of players. Number, for preseason number one, it'll be uh, Rob King and I and uh, the 3 o'clock hour, Dale Lally checks in the second hour from Philadelphia. Good deal. Tim Mann's part of the Pittsburgh Steeler Radio Network broadcast right here on your home of the Black and Gold 102.5 DVE. Benzie, thanks so much for your uh, time this morning, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Okay, we'll see you. Mike Pursuit alive from Steelers Training Camp when we come back. And the friends. DVE Sports. All right, Mike Pursuit alive from Steelers Training Camp, St. Vincent College in Latrobe. Sports Star brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. A preseason game number one, can you believe it, guys, is looming Thursday in Philadelphia. The Steelers at the Eagles. And what are you going to see from these draft choices? What are you going to see? from Mason Rudolph and from James Washington. Rudolph, a third-round quarterback, and Washington, a second-round receiver. Well, here's what uh, went on at practice yesterday. They actually let Mason Rudolph participate in seven shots. They don't always do that. Usually Ben Roethlisberger takes the first four reps, and then the other guys kind of fight for the scraps. But when they went to team stuff, the rotation was Roethlisberger, Landry Jones, Josh Dobbs, and then Rudolph. He's fourth team right now. Roethlisberger will not play against Philadelphia. Mike Tomlin cleared that up yesterday. He said the intent is to play the other three. I think that's the order you're going to see him. Landry Jones, uh, Josh Dobbs, and Mason Rudolph, which means Rudolph's going to be in the game in the second half uh, (laughs) with who knows whom and against God knows what. (laughs) You know know how ragged some of these preseason openers can get. Yes, Um, I do. I always, I always like to point out that gambling on preseason football is super fun. <laughs> and it might be a sign of a, of a, of a gambling problem. <laughs> uh, well, Randy, we've gone over this before. There are no gambling problems. There are only losing problems. Yeah, well, that is the problem. Yeah. You know, when your buddy comes up to you and says, oh, man, I had to stop gambling, you never say, what's the matter, winning too much? Yeah, it's like that scene in Battle of the Sexes <laughs> where Steve Carell is Bobby Riggs and he goes to a Gambler's Anonymous meeting and he's like, I got to tell you, I'm listening to all you guys. You're just a bunch of losers. <laughs> he's like, I win all the time. <laughs> then uh, then there's Washington at wide receiver. Uh He's a guy who seemingly makes a really nice, if not a spectacular, catch every day. Uh, we're watching on the sidelines. and Oh, look at that one-handed. Look at that combat catch. But he's doing it from well down the depth chart against guys 
who are well down the depth chart. You guys recall uh, coming up here last week and talking to Ben Roethlisberger. He was pumping the brakes pretty hard on James Washington, right? Yep. Uh, I remember when I asked him, he was like, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't throw to him. He doesn't. They're, they're rarely on the field together. And uh, th- that's happened uh, on occasion. It happened in uh, the two-minute work they did on Sunday, but it hasn't happened much. Now, this is not to imply that Washington is not going to contribute this year, but uh, this isn't going to be a coming-out party Thursday night. Oh, look at the future quarterback. Look at the new third receiver. It, it's not going to work that way. Uh, when they did seven shots yesterday, now keep in mind, Antonio Brown was not participating in 11-on-11 and Justin Tucker was not participating in 11-on-11. Even with that being the case, Darius hayward Bay, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Justin Hunter all got into the seven shots before James Washington. When they went to team, (laughs) they used Hunter, Smith-Schuster, hayward Bay, and Tevin Jones before they got to James Washington. He actually got a couple reps with Ben yesterday. Again, that's a rare occurrence. And in seven-on-seven, they went with Smith-Schuster, hayward Bay. Hunter and Damon Patterson before they put number 13 in the game. So he is, he is working his way up. And uh, that's just part of the process. Uh, there's gonna have, uh, Some patience, at least here in August, is uh, required. Now, if they get into September and he's still not playing and uh, the guys who are playing instead of him are not getting it done, then there's going to be some questions asked and presumably some questions that have to get answered. But uh, Well, what is the reason then, Mike? Because you said he's making a spectacular catch every day. Why isn't he out there? Uh, the word I'm getting is that, uh, you know, the, the execution, the details, the, you know, running the right route, running up, lining up in the right spot, not jumping off sides, little things like that. Okay. Uh, it, it's just not there yet. And, again, not to say it's not going to happen. We don't decide everything here in the first two weeks of camp. But, you know, this is where it is right now. Uh, a couple other interesting developments from yesterday. That seven, deba- seven defensive backs defense, the dollar. We've, we've been talking about that since the spring, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have inside linebackers, use all your good DBs, your hybrids and all that. Because Joe Hayden has been out and because Morgan Burnett has been out and Sean Davis has been out, we haven't seen the seven guys that we thought would be the seven guys. Well, we finally saw that yesterday. Here's how they uh, used it. It was a third down drill. And uh, Joe Hayden and Artie Burns are the cornerbacks. They're still the cornerbacks. Uh, Mike Hilton is the nickel corner. He's still that. Uh, they put in Terrell Edmonds at strong safety and Sean Davis at free safety. And then Burnett moves up to, a, a as Tim Benz put it, a quasi-linebacker position. And Cam Sutton plays a quasi-linebacker position. Hmm. That's pretty good players, right? That it, are, For are sure. These guys, is that alignment better than having – one or two inside linebackers on the field. That's that's what they have to figure out. And and can that alignment stop the run as well as the pass? It should be real good against the pass. But will teams run against it because there's smaller guys out there? And if you work a linebacker in in the dime or a couple linebackers in in the nickel, particularly in the dime, is your dimebacker Vince Williams or John Boom Bostic? Uh, Mike, you know, don't forget, if they tackle – Everything's different. Just ask Keith Butler. They were still top five in the NFL, and they couldn't tackle for a lick. Wait, what do you call it? What do you say? What's the terminology he always uses? Dead gum? Nah, there's something else. He did another one like, like for a whip or something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah I know what I, you're talking I, there's about. There's been a lot uh. of talk about that. I am more concerned about being where they need to be 
than tackling. I, you know, when, when Le'Veon Bell makes a guy miss a tackle, we say, boy, Le'Veon Bell's great. We don't say the guy tackling sucked, right? Um, <laughs> right. Sometimes you get him, sometimes you don't. You have a better chance to get him if there's actually somebody there to try to get him. And the, the problem with this defense, too often the, the communication is an issue because too often they're not on the same page. One guy's doing one thing, another guy's doing another thing, and somebody is wide open. And that's where they get themselves into trouble. Um, they got to clear that up. Uh, Randy, to your point, and we've talked about this a couple times, trying to get everybody doing what they're supposed to at the same time, I don't know that the best way to facilitate that is to make it more diverse and to include more options. <laughs> you know, that's, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of asking for trouble, but we'll see if they can pull it off. Uh, one other nugget from practice yesterday. Uh, Marquise Pouncey got hurt in uh, 11-on-11 play, and it looked like it was nothing. He went down, and he stayed down for a little bit, and then he got up, and he was kind of limping. But he didn't even go up to the locker room. He stayed down on the field. He was walking around, talking to guys, joking around. By the end of practice, he had a wrap on his, uh, you know, kind of around his right knee area. But it it didn't appear to be a big deal. But here's where it became significant. B.J. Finney, who's already replacing Ramon Foster at left guard, had to shift to center. And then they brought in Matt Filer, who is a tackle by nature. He played left guard. This is the problem with Foster's injury. It's not the level of play that Finney is going to give you at left guard. It's that he is your backup center. And then if something happens to Pouncey, you got to do that, change two positions to fix one thing. Mm-hmm. Mike, that's I thought that that was their pro- – I thought that that's why the defense fell off a cliff last year because when Shazier went down, Matikiewicz stepped in and got hurt in the same game. Now they're down to what, LJ Fort? Well, and you're pulling Sean Spence off the street, yeah, and you're just playing with guys that, you know, Sean Spence was on the street for a reason. And they brought him back here because he, quote-unquote, knew the defense. Right, and without a guy like Chris Hubbard on the offensive line, now it's a depth issue. It is, and that's why, you know, you talk about uh, Rudolph and Washington. You know, I think Washington will contribute this year. Rudolph will not. You know, unless it's a disaster. Yeah. But if you want to look at a couple of rookies, uh, the tackle from Western Michigan, Chooks Okorafor. <laughs> they might need that guy to play, and he's a rookie. I mean, he, he might be the backup tackle. Uh, check out how number 76 does, and watch Terrell Edmonds. You guys sat across from him when you came Impressive kid, man. Honest to God. Is there any reason not to have confidence in this guy? No, he's probably nope. not going to start, but he's going to play dime. He's going to play in the seven stuff. Uh, he's going to play special teams. He's going to play goal line. He's gonna, he is going to be involved. He's a ball and, hawk. Yeah, and he's going to make plays. Mike Asuda. I, I know people hated that pick because it wasn't a quote-unquote linebacker, but I think it was a great choice. Live from Steelers training camp uh, all preseason long here on your home of the Steelers, DVE. We'll check in with Mike next hour. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys. Coming up, we will uh, we'll talk about the new eSports craze with the founder of the Pittsburgh Knights. Rob Lee's going to join us to talk about Pittsburgh's esports team that's competing all over the world. It is the newest craze. This is what people are doing. And I I, I know that like for the people who are well versed in this, yeah. I sound like an idiot right now. No. But I think eighty well, no, percent of, of the audience is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. He's making this up. I know. So we'll talk with Rob Lee about that next. DV Dealer for details. It's Randy Bauman in the DVE Morning Show. And joining us right now, the CEO of the Pittsburgh Knights, Rob Lee. Rob, good morning. How are you, brother? Good. Okay, so it should be noted that you are a younger fella, 24, 
And already a CEO. Already a it's CEO. Impressive. I am. So for those who, the, the, for the uninitiated, which I'm guessing is a, a pretty big percentage of the audience right now, explain what the Pittsburgh Knights are, a, like, what are you all about? What are you guys doing? The Pittsburgh Knights is a video game esports team that competes on a global scale playing video games for money. Okay, so playing video games for money, are these like poker tournaments with video games? It's similar. Um, I mean, it's it's no different from um, you know a, a game of, of football. There's leagues. Uh, there's open leagues, very similar to soccer. Okay. Um, so th- there's a ton of third-party competitions out there, and also um, game developers would hold... Uh, leagues just to just have them in to promote those yeah. to their games. Yeah, it's so so use um it used to be and and it continues as is um it promotes them and uses their marketing budget to um put their game as like a triple A title. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so your team right now now you have four guys on the squad. Um, we have uh we have quite a few actually. Okay, so, so there's only four in the picture in the paper. Well, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is my question. How do you field a team? Like, do you have training camp and do you have to whittle it down to a uh, 53-man roster or what are you doing? So there's a, there's a process that we go through, but, you know, there as every esports team has it, it's kind of like our recipe of like the Krabby Patty, right? Um, so we're, we keep that in-house and we, we figure it out and there's a process to figure out um, what our pro players, um, how to find them on the leaderboards and we, there's a little process that we do to consider who is a professional esports athlete okay do, me do a they favor, have keep injuries that, hold on a sec just do me a favor keep that mic in yeah, right yeah, in front sure. of you there because sometimes it's easy to, to venture away from it all right so uh this is now a thing you know twitch is out there people watch other people perform uh, in video games you guys are doing it on a level now where espn is going to start televising this stuff and you're going to be sitting down to watch other people play video games so like have. any other sporting event. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's yeah, ongoing. They, yeah, yeah, they've already it's on, done that. It's, a, it's uh, Evo, um, the fighting game world tour uh, championship was on ESPN just a little bit ago. I think it was like this this week, past weekend. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what kind of numbers do these things draw? Like, how many people are competing Huge. in the competition the Knights are in right now? So there's a, a well, there's a league. There's only a set number of teams that are participating in the team, uh, the the league. But worldwide, there's averaging up to forty to sixty million people. A lot from Asia, um, a lot from just around the world. Like I said, this this is a genre that reaches global. Mm-hmm. So this is amazing to me that you you put together this team of Pittsburghers. Now, is uh, are, are the teams made up of strengths? Like people have, well, this guy's good at this game, this guy's good at this game, or do players need to be good at everything? So um, it, there are specific games that they can be good at. I, I don't look at specific genres as as different um, titles. You have to you have to look at it in their own genre. So you have your FPSs, first person shooters, your MOBAs, um, your multi you know multiplayer online battle arenas. Um, all the pros will be good at one specific genre. Okay. So take um, Ninja for example. He's he's been on Twitch and on. Uh, uh, national television lately, um, he's always been relatively good at battle royale genres, which is the newest genre that have come out lately um, for Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the Hunger Games digitalized in a virtual space. That's what it is. Okay, so mm-hmm. you guys recently uh, competed in the esports global finals in Berlin. 
Yeah, 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 yeah we did. It, it was the first World Championship Invitational for a game called PUBG. It's kind of like the more um, realistic military, uh, military shooter for Fortnite. Um, so that game is also a battle royale genre. And there was a two million prize pool, and we brought a uh, team from the smallest of ranks and uh, fought against 1,200 teams across the world to be the last 20 teams in the bracket. That's awesome. Cinderella and, story. Yeah, yeah. Here. So we, we, we participated in Berlin. Um, we we, <laughs> we hope for better results, but we, we did all right. Where'd you um, end up? Into. Um, so there was two events. Um, we came in fifth in one and eighth in the other. That's pretty good, though. And do people come to these events live? Like, I know a ton of people watch on Twitch, but are, are people there cheering you on? Yeah, so um, since it's a global event, um, people travel from all around the world uh, going to these events. It, it, it's similar if you went to the Super Bowl. Right. It, it, that's what it so is. So you have fans. The Pittsburgh Knights have uh, have fans. People are like, oh, I'm a, I'm a Knights fan. Do you envision a time when there will be several Pittsburgh uh, uh, esports franchises, or several at least, you know, within proximity, where people will be aligning themselves with, like having a t- a T-shirt. Oh, I'm a Knights guy. Oh yeah, I I, I definitely see that um, sometime in the future. Um, we already have that now. There's there's some hardcore Knights fans out there that follow our team, um, but I wouldn't expect any other franchise to be there because in, in esports. It's kind of a little bit reverse, you know. You have the the Penguins and you have the Steelers for different genres yeah. of games. But in esports, a specific team can have multiple teams in different games. Right, right. right. Mm-hmm. I like the uniforms. Who designed the uniforms? Oh man, we have a wonderful partner that uh, designed it. Um, I got to sit down with their company and and create. Um, a jersey that mimicked very like the the knights in shining armor. It has a little <laughs> Avengers feel to it or something. Yeah, like. yeah. And then the other thing I like is you got a Totino sponsorship on the sleeve there. It's kind of so NASCAR-y. It's 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 very NASCAR-y. The, the esports takes um, little elements from other um, sports and and different entertainment events. And uh, it's a dream come true because we got our first non-endemic major sponsor, and it's pizza rolls. I know? mean, like, yeah. that, like that, that is pizza the gamers' uh, <laughs> yeah. diet right there. Yeah. Exactly. Pizza rolls. Oh, man. <laughs> and the other funny thing is, like, the team photo, like, we usually see, like, athletic teams. Everybody's just, like, you know, a physical specimen. These guys look like guys that play video games. Or Phil Kessel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's great. No. <laughs> so where is the, where's the team right now? Right now, uh, we're about to hop on a plane uh, and go to Stockholm, Sweden to play in the Global Loot League Season 2 Finals, Grand Finals. Dude, you guys get to travel. I'm blown away by this. Yeah, we're we're traveling every two weeks now. How much of this is self-funded? How much of it is sponsor-driven for you? Um, Most of it was self-funded until Totino's came on board and understood how... Um, they, they, there was an educational process in, mm-hmm. in esports and saying, "Hey, this is very similar to traditional sports. Um, we're we're a company. We um, we're, essentially, I needed to put the knights on a pedestal of professionalism. Right. And uh, they loved our story. They loved Pittsburgh, the sports culture, and that's what we wanted to do. And, yeah. And bring the best practices of sports culture. You know, we're from Pittsburgh. That's yeah. That's what you need to get some doing. Pittsburgh. You got to get Permanis on there or something like I, that, right. or like Iron City, <laughs> something like that. So now the floodgates are open. Now that people are starting to understand this, I mean, I would think that sponsorship's going to be just you know the arrow is pointing up on that in a big way but then prize money 
comes into play like do you are there brackets for prize money like in a pga event like can you finish in the money even if you don't win yeah, no, no. Uh, so how Battle Royale works and in a lot of different competitions, you come in second, third, fourth. Um, there's still uh, a dividend of prize money. Obviously, if you're on the top of the, the peak of the mountain, you're going to get the, the most right. sum. Like, but, what's that purse? Like, for, for a competi- like this competition you're going to right now? Uh, it's a $100,000 prize pool. So first place takes 50 Yeah, yeah. that's nice. So then nice these score. guys, you have them on the squad, you pay them like a salary and they get bonuses? Correct. Correct. That's like any exact. other team. It's like any other team. I wouldn't put it past uh, an esports team to have the same revenues as a traditional sports team. Uh, the only two differences that I can really see that are different are prize money that you win and uh, virtual goods. So we have like, by making it to the world championship, you can go into the game of PUBG and buy a knight's hoodie for your character to wear in the game. <laughs> so that's really cool. That's a little bit different from uh, from yeah. football or, or soccer. Yeah. But uh, th- do you drug that- test? Yeah. Oh wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> do I drug oh, wait, test? What's his that? What? Like uh, we yes. tested you. It turns out you you need to do more drugs. Yeah. You're it, not on an Adderall. Enough Adderall. Enough Adderall. Um. Well, in in <laughs> esports, that's always been a topic of a discussion. Um. Adderall always comes into place. Um. There's a lot of uh really high S tier. Uh, S tier leagues that do do that, so they'll drug test for you in a league and be like, you can't be all hopped up on Adderall. Yeah, you uh, can't the, take the higher trainees. tier ones. Okay, right. The higher tier ones, and uh, there's a lot of third party um, something that we haven't really run into, but I uh, that's you're not that's, there yet. Not there yet. <laughs> yeah, don't have to worry about it yet. Yeah. Bill, can you imagine when you were in your twenties, if someone was like, no. you know, if you just sit on that couch and get good enough at this, you could pay off big one I would, day. I wouldn't be sitting here right now. God. I'd be in my house still. So awesome. Uh, Rob. Eating Totino's pizza rolls. Right. Best of luck to you and the Knights, and we're going to keep uh, uh, a running tab on you guys. And we'll we'll get Pittsburgh yeah, behind man. him. Rob this, Lee is the CEO awesome. of Pittsburgh Knights. Yeah. And uh, is there a website that people can go to to learn more, or is there a Twitch uh, handle or whatever the yeah. hell you call it? So I don't you know. Can, uh, you can follow the Knights um, on Twitter, Knights G. You can uh, go to our website, www.knights.gg. And uh, you can follow our road to uh, awesomeness. That's, that's <laughs> great. Here we go, Knights. Here we go. G, G. Get, uh, get on uh, out to the airport now. I'm and, following uh, best them of luck. Now. All right, good deal. This is great. Best of luck in Stockholm and uh, continued success to you and the, uh, and the Knights. Yeah. That's CEO you of the Knights, on. Rob Lee here on DVE. Speaking of accents... One of my favorites, Jimmy Page, in an effort to further explain why he's against his neighbor, singer Robbie Williams, putting an extension on his London mansion, <laughs> as well as an underground swimming pool. Page argues the construction of the Williams homes is, is uh, causing damage, and he pointed out a crack in one of the walls caused by the drilling. That's right. I'm not trying to stop people refurbishing their houses, whether it's Robbie Williams' side or the other side. It's more a question that they don't damage Tower House. And I seem to be the lone voice doing that. Right. I just want them to use nothing but rubber mallets <laughs> for the refurbishment. Basically, any tools that could have been used in Santa's workshop. <laughs> tiny. Tiny, li- tiny little wooden mallets. Just a little chisel. I think Robbie Williams is a member of the Viet Cong. He's built an intricate series of tunnels underneath <laughs> my house. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. If Jimmy Page spent a quarter of the time <laughs> that he has spent 
worrying about Robbie Williams, the addition on his house. If he just spent a quarter of that time on developing new music, he'd have 15 new albums. I think he should move. <laughs> I'm the curator and caretaker of the tower. <laughs> I think he should move or just pay to have Robbie Williams move. He does sound like somebody you have to talk to before you go over a medieval bridge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's take a look at weather in the Channel 11 Weather Center. What's happening? Currently, it's most people are wet at DVE. Other people are in cars or inside. Um, Val's on vacation this week. Tomorrow we'll have uh, I hope she's not n- news person you know, here. Friday we'll right have a news now. person here. Anyone who's ever taken an Uber ride knows, well, it can be convenient. But now a man in St. Joseph County in Michigan has found a way, a way to make it a little more scenic, too. Uh. Timothy Huckstetler has started Amish Uber. Oh, no. That's right. The newest taxi service. I'm in in route. I'll be there in four days. (laughs) Damn it. This is taking forever. Your driver, Ezekiel, is driving a buggy. What do you think? It's a Zamesh Uber. Yeah. That's right. Inside his horse and buggy, people share a ride. Hochstetler gets to share some stories, like most Uber drivers. See, you don't, you're not a talker. I talk to all of them. I don't talk to any. I don't want to talk to you. We're well, not friends. I understand this that. This is a, uh, a a cab. Yellow cab for forever since I was growing up. You had to call four days in advance if you wanted to you know, get a ride somewhere. Uber is a cool thing. Every single year, somebody uh, something new comes in, and Uber is hot right now, so we have Amish Uber. We can deliver people to their front doorsteps, Hawk Stetler said. First time Ubering, and we're riding in a buggy, said Steve Phelps, an Amish Uber rider. Wonderful. Yes, Bruce Jordan and his grandkids took a ride after traveling from Grand Rapids, Michigan. It was fascinating. It's not an activity you typically associate with the Amish. That's right. I'd like to take an Uber over to that farm over adjacent to our house so I can cut off all their beards and lock them in cages. He uh, says his horse is the big attraction, of course. He loves people. He's a Morgan. A Morgan is a people's horse. They love giving you a kiss or whatever. Whoa. That's a little aggressive. Yes. I don't want a kiss. I don't I think they ride. Yeah. I don't think there's Uber down here, so it's pretty cool. It gives people an option. They can't drive or don't want to drive or shouldn't drive said one of the Amish Uber riders. Apparently, this is a very rural, remote part of the the state of Michigan. I get that. Riders get a chance to see the city of Cologne, Michigan, without the distraction of driving in a car. (laughs) Most of them aren't from Cologne, but the people, Cologne people, have given uh, me a few options, like, would you give me a ride to Curly's? Would you go to my house? And Yeah, I'd do that. I'm Amish Uber. I'll do whatever. There you, you go. need help putting up a barn? We can do that, too. That's extra. It's probably the one Uber you can barf in, and they don't care. They're <laughs> like, well, there's like a there's a, a gallon of horse crap there, too. So, <laughs> Can you try to barf into the bag hanging off the horse's ass? Puke's not bothering anybody. The NFL making history this season. <laughs> the Rams and the Saints are going to have male cheerleaders dancing on their squads for the first time. Well, this will go great with the drunk fat people. (laughs) All the open-minded drunk NFL fans are going to be completely okay with this. You know, the guy that has the shirt that says Ravens suck 
uh, yeah. some other stuff mm. on the back of it. Right. Face painted with the big foam number one finger. He's probably going to be cool with it. I don't anticipate many homophobic slurs being thrown at these people. No. Ten maximum. Per minute. <laughs> Dancers Quentin Perron and Napoleon Jennies have been preparing for the NFL season since they made the Rams cheerleading squad in March. Still can't believe I'm one of the first males in history to be a pro NFL cheerleader. Napoleon Jennies tweeted after being selected. Other teams like the Colts, Ravens, have stuntmen. They're doing stunts at those games. Isn't the game enough? We gotta have stunts now. It, you know what's crazy is when I first read this article, I'm thinking like, okay, this has got to be like a step it up, like hip hop up. Yeah, yeah, like, right. This is a That's dance. That's exactly true. what I thought. And then I saw the interview, and, and I was it like, is oh, not. No, nope. I thought it nope. was gonna be like dudes doing like wicked, like parkour, like kind of yes, moves and flipping exactly. over stuff. Right. That's it's not that at all. It's they're, you know, trying to do the twirly bird. They are doing the exact same moves as the cheerleaders. Oh, yeah. Give me some pom-poms. Um, look, I don't care about... I love th- the pom-poms. This doesn't bother me one way or the other, but I know no. it's going to... No, not w- at all. What will bother me is hearing people talk about it. It's going to be so bad. Will people talk about Like, this is not... This is definitely like... <laughs> Oh, are you LA kind of thing? Like well, in New Orleans, they don't care either, right? And I don't think, but I don't think any north northeastern team that had uh, cheerleaders would would rock a rock a dude out there. Let me uh, let me walk that New Orleans won't care statement back a little bit. New Orleanians won't care. A lot of Saints fans from around the state might have an issue yeah. with what's going on down there. I got a feeling some swamp people that root for the Saints. Probably aren't going to love it. But I just like that, like, in a year in which the NFL is trying to quell all of the tumult and the the, the tempest that, that occurred as a result of the anthem debacle over yeah. the last year, and they're like, all right, look, 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 we need to calm things down with this part of the fan base. Nope. Male dancers. All right, let's get some male now dancers in there. Now we're going to get on two knees during the anthem. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god take that oh, it is just i don't see this going well again doesn't confront me none one way or the other no not at all but it's ancillary to the game i don't like I don't, the idea of cheerleaders i don't care about any of that i don't like mascots Hey guys, I mean, I, you know, Dude, Steely is so psyched about this. By the way, he's like, <laughs> finally, <laughs> thank you. I try out for the team every year. <laughs> what dance, dance revolution is happening? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Hi guys. So that ought to be interesting to uh, behold this year. Yeah, as male dancers take the field in the NFL, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that'll go over great in Carolina. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, guys! No, no, hey, feel free to dance. We're not making you a cake. All right. <laughs> By the way, uh, Jay Cutler, you know his wife has a reality show. Yes, I do. Very Cavallari. Yeah. Cavallari. 
Have you yeah, seen I've, been, I've been I've uh, been shamefully following her career somehow since Laguna Beach. Well, now that he's no longer in the NFL, this probably wouldn't won't be so bad since he won't have to really deal with anything in the locker room. But this week uh, was a very favorable one for Jay in the PR department because on their reality show, yeah. Kristen, in one scene, <laughs> she says, <laughs> Oh, no. The sex is the best it's ever been. She tells her L.A. friend over uh, delivery sushi. He's apparently read some article on GQ about how to perform <laughs> a certain act. She goes... It's been a game changer. She then adds, Ew. Yeah, like every time without being prompted in any manner, just so we all know the frequency with which Jay Cutler is willing to do the uh, Uncle Junior uh, dance. <laughs> I, I picture him consulting the article while he's doing it. <laughs> Hold on a second. He's flipping pages. Hold on. <laughs> no, he had it He all had right. it printed out and he wears it uh, on his, on his <laughs> wristband like Ben. The course of plays. <laughs> like, oh. Calling an audible. And he turns out we're in the wrong places. <laughs> oh, Sorry, man. hold on a second. No, you're where oh, I'm God. supposed to be. I'm where I you're can't. supposed to be. Yeah. Time out. Left leg green. Time out. Left leg green. <laughs> but his coaches, former coaches, reading this, like, oh, all we had to do is put the playbook in GQ, and we would have figured out. <laughs> This, look, I mean, this is the first time, obviously, I've ever thought about uh, Jay Cutler's sex life, but if he is uh, anywhere near as disinterested as he looked playing football, <laughs> I can't imagine it's uh, it's any good. He makes that face after sex. He's like, hmm, how was yeah. it? It was amazing. I mean, it was like the best This is ever. great. No. Yeah. It was really do, you have, do you have fun? Do you enjoy it? <sighs> do you have any cigarettes? <laughs> I'd like to smoke six cigarettes right now. There's just a guy on the uh, on the side of the bedroom while he's doing it, holding up those big cards. <laughs> We're gonna move the chains on that one. <laughs> it's all football terminology. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're really going north south, aren't? Good for you. Hurry up offense today, huh? Uh, in Oklahoma, they caught another guy having sex with a horse. Married man accused of having sex with a miniature horse. Nay means nay, for Tyler, God's sake. Tyler Schlosser, 29 years old, claims somebody spiked his drink after a mother and daughter filmed him having sex with their mini horse. The utility worker, who's about to be a dad, tried to do uh, you know, the getaway, but he was caught after a chase. <laughs> <laughs> Lassoed. <laughs> He was trying to ride a mini horse, and those things just don't pick up speed. Wildfire! <laughs> the two witnesses said they saw him fully nude, standing in the field, having sex with their pony. God! Uh, he stopped that the is a act nightmare. and walked towards them as they were filming him near a road junction, they told the police. Shocked Rogers County Sheriff Scott Walton branded the case as sick. Apparently... Uh, Mr. Schlosser had learned a new technique after reading GQ. And <laughs> it's a game changer. I'll tell you what, that horse is going to have a hard time doing the Amish Uber the next day. <laughs> There's a little bit of a giddy up in her get along, isn't there? Trotting a little crooked over there. <laughs> oh, God. People are sick. And lastly. Sick. The Rex Theater in the South Side. No. 
is <laughs> no, they're gonna, okay. They're going to be hosting Extreme Midget Wrestling. <laughs> they're going to turn the Rex Theater into a wrestling ring. I love this. Uh, yeah. And I wondered when I read this how they were going to do it. I'm like, the Rex isn't big enough to do it. And then I heard Midget Wrestling. And I'm like, oh, well, it's yeah. big enough for that. Definitely. How big Maybe. can that ring possibly be? Yeah, that's right. Uh, that is. Um, will it be up on the stage? How will they do it? This tomorrow night. Let's go. I don't know how they're doing. Tomorrow night, fan favorites, Bruce Leroy, Baby Jesus, and Bruce Eddie Vado. Yeah. That's from, uh, what's that 80s movie? Oh, I'm going to get you sucker. No, uh, no. The Dragon, Last Dragon. Yeah. You are the last dragon. You can get the tickets for that, show enough, at you got uh, that the Rex glow. box office. But, that you know, glow. and I was thinking about, it, like, midget wrestling, Are you? they call it extreme midget wrestling. Is it okay to use the word? Because I don't know. I thought that was one of those words you're supposed yeah. to stop using. It, it can't be extreme. Well, we asked... <laughs> <laughs> oh, the other word. Yes. All right. Uh, we asked Brad Williams, our friend Brad Williams. Who, by the way, Brad threw out the first pitch at the Angels game last night. I wonder how that went. Uh, it went well. You know, I saw, saw the video. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, cool. He didn't throw a dirt ball. Good. Here's Brad talking about it. I get emails from a lot of... Because there's a main Little People organization called LPA, which stands for Little People of America... And they they, they, they they do amazing work in in many facets, so I, I actually support them. But they send me messages all the time, like, talk about this, push this agenda, talk, you know, don't say the word midget. I'm like, really? Like, why? It's a bad word. You call a dwarf a midget. It's just like calling a black person the well, N-word. That, yeah, that needs clarification. Yeah, man, midget, please. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would... I would I would guess that it is a case by case basis. There are some that are that are okay with it, yeah. and some that not so okay with it. Absolutely, and the ones that are not okay with it, uh, they're the ones that uh, when I did a show in Detroit, actually protested me. That was awesome. You got protested, I got protested by, little, really? by little people, and I don't know if you can really call it pro. Is it really a protest if a Mini Cooper can drive up and block? The entire <laughs> protest, <laughs> like if if two Fiats park next to each other, it shuts your thing down. I, I don't know if that counts, but uh, yeah, they, they, they protest me because I say the word midget, and I just thought it was hilarious because it's like, dude, it doesn't have power over you. It's just the word, and unlike other racial slurs, like other racial slurs mean hateful things, and they and they were invented because of these things. Uh, like uh, calling a German a, a, a kraut is because they eat a lot of sauerkraut, and, you know, and, and things like that. And but like midget do doesn't have any basis in hatred. It's just like, hey, that thing's cute. It's a midget. Okay, cool. And it's that, that's all it is. So there's is no the argument for them hatred. that it reduces you to a stereotype, or uh, like why why do they have the LPA? Why do they have a problem with that? The use of the I word? don't know because they they love the words dwarf and little person. And to me, to me, dwarf has like more of it. Right. Like you think I'm going to walk out and like I got to protect Snow White or right. something it like has that. Like right. A fairy tale. Or, yeah. To I'm going to have a battle axe and I'm going to be like <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Like it's my process. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like that. Like, it's, it's more fantastical. And little person, you don't know what you're talking about. You hear little person. You think like, oh, Chinese. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> They're very tiny people. Okay? They're very tiny people. Um, DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta's broadcasting live from Steelers Training Camp, St. Vincent College in Latrobe, all preseason long. And Mike is joining us now from his dorm room. And uh, which uh, dorm are you in? Benedict Hall. Benedict Hall. Ah, uh, Benedict Hall. 
We used to be in Bonaventure Hall, but that one doesn't have air conditioning or uh, internet or cable. Yes. At least one... it didn't when I used to stay there. So this is better. Right. Way better. Yes. More holiday uh, sauce there. We got one more sportscast <laughs> to go here, then I'm going to uh, run home and uh, throw the dirty clothes out of the bag and put some clean ones in and head to Philadelphia. The preseason is upon us. It'll be the Steelers at the Eagles tomorrow night. And uh, you're going to see a lot of guys uh, playing for the Steelers that you haven't seen play for the Steelers previously. And you're going to see a couple of guys that uh, you're probably very eager to see play for the Steelers, one of those being third-round quarterback Mason Rudolph. We talked to Mason, a bunch of us did, uh, at lunchtime yesterday before practice. And while the Eagle game was looming, Rudolph insisted that his focus was just on what he had to do yesterday and uh, what he's going to have to do today in advance of what he's looking forward to doing on Thursday. Yeah, obviously you dream about playing in the NFL, but once you get here, um, you, you take it one day at a time. I think that's the way I've approached practice, and it's it's going well. I think just uh, just you're you're, on, you're you know, Coach Coach uh, T talks about living in the moment and not looking ahead. Obviously, just controlling what you can control in the moment in that period, in team and seven on, and then working for the next day. So that's the way I'm looking at it. That's the way I've always looked at it. Obviously, we're excited about you know a lot of us will be playing in our first NFL game, but. Uh, you know, we got to take care of the next 48 hours to give ourselves the best chance for success. Now, Rudolph has made some strides out here, but uh, then again, he uh, set the bar pretty low in terms of uh, his starting point. Uh, his first pass out here uh, in the first practice when training camp opened, uh, it went backwards. It wasn't a pass at all. It was a fumble. <laughs> he tried to throw the ball, and somehow uh, the ball didn't make it from the point where he, he cocked his arm. Uh, the arm started moving the forward and the ball started moving backward. So he has come uh, a long way from that. Not that uh, Mason Rudolph was too concerned about that to start. I mean, if you want to call that the first pass, I, I, I had a lot of first passes in OTAs. I had a lot of first passes in rookie, rookie minicamp. So not, I, I think it was deflected there. But, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I could care less about the first pass. We're talking about, I'm thinking about the next pass here today. He's looking ahead, not behind. That's a good thing. But just for the record, it was not deflected. I checked my notes. Uh, <laughs> we, were, we were eagerly awaiting when he would get to participate in 11-on-11 play. And when he did, the uh, first two plays were handoffs. And then on his third snap, I wrote down PA boot. That's uh, play-action bootleg. Ball slips from hand. And then I wrote down Garo Yepremian. <laughs> Fake news. If you don't know who Gary Premier is, Google it. He was the uh, former kicker for the Dolphins who tried to throw a pass in a Super Bowl, and it did not go well. Well, well, well for Mike Bass, he ended up scoring the Redskins' only touchdown right. in that game. But uh, You always saw those kind of throws on those NFL blooper VHS tapes they used to put out. <laughs> yes, and Rudolph has had a few of those. That happened another time. Uh, uh, the ball has been knocked out of his hand as he drops back, and the linebacker pressures. He's had balls tipped at the line of scrimmage he's had balls intercepted but he has also made plays and uh he, he continues to look uh, as he did in OTAs and minicamp as a guy who gets it in terms of being the quarterback uh he's he's pretty composed out there he's pretty involved uh he's he's cognizant that he is responsible for everyone and everything and uh I think he's working through it and uh you know he's off to a good start uh I wouldn't start, uh, you know, counting down the days until he replaces Ben just yet, but uh, 
this is a guy worth having around, I think. Uh, we're going to get a, a look at him, as I mentioned, on Thursday in Philadelphia. And Mike Tomlin uh, will be uh, perhaps the most interested observer because uh, that's going to be something that Rudolph has yet to experience. You know, Mason's done a, a, a really good job. Um, but again, he hadn't been hit. <laughs> you know, uh, there will be attempts to, to hit him on Thursday night. So uh, stay tuned, man. That's another one of the reasons why um, this is weighted differently. You know, to, an offense's ability to maintain possession of the ball, a ball security, uh, is much more difficult in stadium than it is in a training camp environment because it's, a training camp environment is controlled in a lot of ways. You don't touch or, or get close to the quarterback, for instance. And um, so a quarterback's ability to secure the football really doesn't get tested until they play preseason football in stadium. That's why these opportunities are, are so precious because that is a big element of the evaluation process of the position. They will attempt to hit him <laughs> based on what I've seen from the offensive line in terms <laughs> of the second and third team. They're going to have a pretty good chance to do so. Though I don't know what the Eagles have going uh, with the guys that are going to be playing in the second half. But uh, it's time for a game, and uh, I think everybody out here is looking forward to it. And believe it or not, I never, two things I never thought I'd say, guys. Defending Super Bowl champion Eagles, and I'm looking forward to a preseason game. <laughs> yeah. But with all the rules changes and, and you know all the, all the moving parts out here, it's, uh, it's going to be more interesting than the average bear. So uh, check out the pregame show on DVE. Uh, as you always should, and we'll get you ready for it and then enjoy the Eagles and the Steelers on Thursday night. Pirates have one more in Colorado this afternoon. Chris Archer getting the ball after Jamison Tyone went the distance last night. Nine innings, ten hits, two earned runs, one walk, and three Ks in a 10-2 victory. Tyone's second complete game of the year ties him for the major league lead. The Pirates go to San Francisco tomorrow, first of four against the Giants, and Ivan Nova is the scheduled starting pitcher. Nova's their most experienced starter, and he's also the bottom of the barrel right now, the way this rotation is shaping up, because after Nova, then you go back to Trevor Williams, Joe Musgrove, Jamison Tyone, and then Archer again. I'm telling you, this starting pitching, coupled with this bullpen, yep. there's some possibilities there. I'm not predicting anything for this year, but I wouldn't rule anything out either. Mike pursued a line from Steelers training camp. And tomorrow, great game stuff, Mike. day. So, will you be on from Philly tomorrow? I will. Nice. Well, I'm on the pregame show. Not in the morning. Not in the morning. Not, not in the morning. Okay, because you're going to be out getting loaded and eating Pat's steaks in the middle of the night. Is it, am I that predictable? It's transparent, yes. Mike. It's fine. Yes, Mike, you are. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I prefer to look at it as consistent. But yeah, yeah drinking and Pat's steaks are on the agenda tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. We're looking forward to it. All of the action. The pregame starts 3 p.m. here tomorrow. On your home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5. It is the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman here along with Bill Crawford this morning. Val's on vacation. She'll be back Monday. Mike won't be in tomorrow because he's going to be going to Philadelphia for the preseason game between the Steelers and the Eagles. So that we'll have Tim Benz in tomorrow to be doing uh, sports for you. Tim Benz. Tim Benz. Tim Benz. Tim Benz. No. Happy Tim Benz Day. Happy Tim Benz Day. The History Channel Show American Pickers. I finally picked something that I'm very interested in. What'd they pick? They were uh, going up and down New England, you know, through those uh, through sure. the New England states there. And in a recently aired episode, they found Mike Wolf. 
And Frank Fritz? Fritz Fritz. <laughs> they found Aerosmith's original tour van. Come on. In the woods in Chesterfield. What? Yeah, it was like abandoned out in the woods. Just abandoned, like nobody mm-hmm. had it? Not much was known about the rusted 1964 International Harvester Metro van buried in the woods. The property's owner told them, but said the vehicle was here when he bought the land, and the previous owner might have had a connection to the band, obviously. So I hope. They got a hold of Otherwise a guy he named stole that van. Ray Tabano, who was a founding member of Aerosmith, a guitarist in the band for three years before he got booted, but I guess he still had something to do with the band for a while. So He got the van. Wolf called Dan Auerbach of the Black Keys, who sent pictures to Joe Perry. Joe Perry called Tabano and said, go see if that's the original van. So he went and he was like, yep, this is it. The original van. He was in the van from 1970 to 72. Pardon me. Said the van was like a rolling hotel for the future Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. Yuck. We drive up to Boston, up to New Hampshire for $125. Then after the gas, tolls, and food, and back, we'd all make like three bucks a piece. Well, Wolf and Fritz bought it for twenty-five grand. Hmm. Pretty good buy. Hell yeah! Yep, cool stuff. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, they they lived right down the road from where I lived in Boston on Com on Ave. Com Ave. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's that legendary the Aerosmith apartment. It's like the yep. only homes I think that are um, American rock and roll houses that are iconic. The Grateful Dead house. On Ashbury and uh, the um, the Aerosmith house on Com Ave, dude. Calm Which Ave is now is like awesome. you know, there's like a boutique there. It's all oh, high sure. end shopping and stuff. Yeah. But back in the day, it was not quite like that. But no, all those brownstones and those walk up apartment buildings are sweet. Thinking of old Aerosmith uh, gives me an excuse to play this one off their debut album, cut number one off of Aerosmith's Aerosmith. Make it. Ah, this is the tune that made me a huge Aerosmith fan as a kid. DVE.
Aerosmith make it off of their debut album, 1973. That is incredible. It's the best. That did not sound like Steven Tyler Dude, at all to me. This album is so much fun to listen to. I was such a fan of them when I was a kid. That was the first concert I ever saw. First record I ever bought. Killer. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, the whole album's great. I uh, highly recommend checking it out. All right, that's it for uh, today. Special thanks to uh, Tim Benz for uh, joining us. Also, thanks to uh, Rob Lee from the Pittsburgh Knights for teaching us all about Pittsburgh's premier esports team. And also thanks to uh, Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Cockle, for joining us tomorrow. More stuff. That's it for us. Michelle's got lunch coming up at noon. Give her a shout. Yeah, a little Aerosmith. All these killer riffs and just... You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.